You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. It's in your bones, it's in your skin, it's in your mind, it's in your ear holes, wherever you are, whenever you are, and however you happen to be listening, we're so glad you've chosen to tune in to DLC, your downloadable commentary for the week, delivered the way we love it to be, and that's completely free. Thanks to our sponsors this week, Blue Apron and Gamefly. They're bringing the show to you. Of course, the show is all about games and their many forms. Games played on desktops, laptops, and consoles, and also games that involve dice, luck, and cardboard. I'm your host, Jeff Kanata. That's spelled with two N's and one T. And I am joined, as always, by my friend slash co-host slash nemesis. The guy who's definitely not a replicant, unless he is. Mr. Christian Spicer. Hello, Christian. I know what's replicant. <laughs> do you see a Do you see a unicorn in your dreams? Because then you might be. Um, I did see the My Little Pony movie, so the answer is yes. I see unicorns <laughs> in my dreams all the time. Total replicant. Boom. Got you. No. Uh, look into my uh, left eye. How good is that movie, man? It's. I can't stop thinking about it. So good, right? Yeah, so good. So good. Uh, I think it's bombing at the box office, which is bizarre, but that's... No, it was expected. It, come on, we can... Okay, this week's bonus episode of the Slash Filmcast DLC edition, Jeff and I get into. uh. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Um, Lots to talk about. As usual, we are in the midst of games coming out galore. We'll be talking about a lot of them, some fun news to get to. We have an awesome guest to do it with, you know. Oh, by the way, before I get to our guest, I should say, wanted to say right here at the top, uh, thank you to everybody. We celebrated our 200th episode last week, and we started the show with sort of just a, a state of the show, and we talked about you know our feelings about about the show. And so many of you, so many of you took the time to write in to dlcfeedback at gmail.com and wish us a congratulations and show support and say positive things about our perspective and our sort of uh, w- the way we handle news of the day involving the show and all that stuff. So thank, t- thank you to everybody that took the time to write in. There were some, you know, there were some nasty Nellies as well, but by far the majority of people were so nice and so uh, kind and so encouraging and uh, we very much appreciate it. So thank you to all of you. Okay, let's get to our guest because you know that DLC always stands for your downloadable Kanata and your downloadable Christian. But this week... Oh man, we are excited because DLC stands for Direct from the Littlest Continent. Because live from Australia, which factually 
is the smallest continent where it is it is uh, it is very very early right now. So thank him for being here. Uh, we have writer for Reckoner and and my buddy Mr. Raj Diut. Hey Raj, how's it going? Hey mate, man? Uh, it is early. It is five a.m. early, and uh, this is not a, t- a time that I am normally awake. But uh, hey, you know. You should have a kid. <laughs> yeah, so that's just kid. That's just morning. Oh, that's just morning. Christian and I have been up for five hours. Woo! Anyway, congratulations to you both. Two hundred episodes. That's a that's a massive milestone, and I'm very honoured to come on on two hundred one. But uh, yeah, I was to, to make it that long. You guys must be doing something right. So uh, well done to both of you. Congratulations. Thanks. I appreciate it. Yeah, well, we're we're starting on our second 200 right now. We got a lot of fun stuff to talk about. We have actually bonus content at the end of this episode, bonus VR talk. Um, I had an interview with John Pearl from Gunfire Games. You guys probably remember me last week talking at length about From Other Sons, which they made, as well as other games. And uh, I wanted to talk to him about it because um, I was so excited about that game. It hasn't come out yet, but there was an early beta. So uh, stay tuned at the end of the episode for that. But we're going to start the show the way we always do with Story of the Week. Story of the Week, it's the Story of the Week. Story of the Week, it's the Story of the Week. Story of the Week is the part of the show where we make our case for the most important stories that happened in the world of games this week. You can always submit stories for our consideration by visiting our subreddit, which is 5x5dlc.reddit.com, where cool folks hang and cool folks talk and cool folks are interacting with other cool folks. So be a cool folk and uh, head over there. We got some interesting stories this week. Raj, you are our guest, so you get first pick. What would you consider to be your story of the week? Well, well there's a few uh, There's a few different interesting stories this week, isn't there? But uh, I, th- there's a couple. There's, there's one there that I'm pretty sure that you're going to choose, Jeff, if, if not two or three, which you generally do. So... Uh, I, I'm going to go with the one that I added in, uh, which is about Wolfenstein 2, the new Colossus, and, and a tweet that they, uh, they they sent out on their account saying, you know, make America Nazi free again. Uh, it was it was apparently quite controversial and, and to the point where they uh, Bethesda had to come out and actually say, you know, look, hang on a second, guys. Wolfenstein's been around for, you know, 30-odd years. It's... This isn't anything new. The game has always sort of been around killing Nazis and and making the world Nazi free. It's just in this particular iteration, they're doing it, you know, underground in America. So for uh, the the backlash that the the company receives by uh, putting out this this little trailer, which uh, you know sort of had um, Nazis walking through America and uh, nothing different to what we've seen time and time again. It's just the slogan, I think, that incited a little bit of. Um, anger with some people, which just doesn't make any sense whatsoever, really, to me. I, I think any making anything Nazi-free is generally a, a, a pretty good thing. Uh, but well, I can only imagine that when this game went in development, went into development, what two, three years ago, maybe uh, the last thing they would have ever imagined is that there would be any pushback from the idea of taking down Nazis. Historically in video games, the one human enemy that everybody can agree on is okay to shoot in the face. <laughs> it's, it's Nazis. And yet here we are in 2017 where up is down, left is right, cats and dogs Wait, are living Wait, what's the together. Konami code then? Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, that's the problem. Now it's down, down, up, up, AB. It's going to be a problem. <laughs> um, we are, I think we are all clear that the only people that would, would get upset – 
about <laughs> about uh, you know saying anything negative about Nazis are terribly morally bankrupt people. Uh, I don't think there's any any disagreement there, but it is a weird phenomenon that uh, Bethesda had to actually come out and reiterate this. And kudos to them for not backing away from it and saying, "Hey, I mean, maybe maybe you're there is some." credible ground to stand on to say that they are trying to take advantage of current events a little bit. They found themselves at a crossroads where they could actually turn this into a PR stunt. And maybe that's a little crass and distasteful to talk about something that actually is very serious and make it into a a slick marketing campaign for a video game. There may be some complaint there, but my perspective is, you know, kudos for them to, to stand their ground and, and actually be like, hey, this shouldn't be controversial. Yes, you shoot Nazis. That's what this game has always been about. And we're not going to, you know, we're not going to equivocate on that. Uh, are you are you in support of this, Raj? Sounds not like of are. the Nazis. No, of course that. I am. Like, this is ridiculous. And, and uh, when I was at Gamescon uh, a month ago and I spoke with the narrative designer, Tommy Bjork, uh, it was on NLB. Um that yep. you know, it, I, I brought that up with him and and what were the events that were going on in America at the time, uh, and you know, obviously, this is something that they've been, like you said, working on for years, and and it wasn't really something they envisaged would be a, a major issue, and I don't think they're they're trying to capitalize on it or anything in that way. It's just just sort of fault. That's you know where the chips have fallen, uh, and you know, it it, it like it's they've just been focusing the game around the same enemy that they've been focusing the game around for 36 years <laughs> it's uh yeah 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 uh it, i will say having played the game at three different events now uh and, and large sections of it it is a disturbing vision of america especially in light of current events um and it is it is not easy even as somebody who's in support of <laughs> of being you know anti-nazi it is not an easy game. It's not an easy, breezy, fun-filled romp. You know, it is really a dark vision of the future. Even the heroes in the game are very dark. So, um, you know, I don't think people should take it lightly, but Christian, I suspect you have some strong feelings about this. I mean, I think you you touched on it lightly. Uh, I think the issue with this tweet and this promo isn't that Wolfenstein is always about killing Nazis. It's they very purposefully repurposed the current president of the United States's campaign slogan and mantra, make America great again, and made it capitalized the same way, make America, whatever it was, anti-Nazi or not Nazi again. Nazi free. Nazi free again. Thank you. And and that, uh, you're stepping into the fire, right? So whether or not you agree with it politically that take a shot at Trump or not, they are, they are purposefully putting themselves into that political debate by going out that by stating it that way instead of saying uh wolfenstein lost colossus nazis have entrenched himself in america bj blastowitz you know is gonna free our country again like they didn't do that it's like a little long but they have two they have 280 for their tweets now they can fit it in (laughs) it's like uh president i'm trying to i don't know of a game where the president was always corrupt but there's like the manchurian candidate like the movie so it's just for this example, pretend there was a game series of that or whatever. It's like President Bush's uh, slogan for a while was the president. So imagine if there was a game that came out around the same time that was like Manchurian Candidate the game. And it was like the president sucks or like the president's an 
you know needs to be murdered and people would be like ah! and like the the president was written in the same font as bush's so i think you could make the argument that donald trump is a nazi sympathizer or a right alt-right sympathizer you can make the argument that he's not and that he's a maverick and he does whatever he wants like i i can't understand the man to be perfectly honest uh things he does have disgusted me um but i don't know if i it doesn't matter what i'm saying (laughs) I, i won't continue on that thought i will get back to the video game i i think the way they phrased this tweet purposefully brought the controversy to them and whether that's good or bad I, I don't know, but they knew what they were doing. Whoever whoever set out to make this PR um, release or press release to tweet was very aware of what they were getting themselves into. Yeah, I mean, even Pete Hines admits that he says we are currently we are certainly aware of the current events in America and how they relate to some of the themes in Wolfenstein too. So it's 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 no mistake. Um, it'll be interesting to see how this game does. And like I said, for me, having played a lot of the game actually already. Uh, it is. It's hard. Is it harder it's hard. than uh, it's a dark in, in, game than watching Man in the High Castle? Yeah, I mean, I I have a hard time doing that too. I I haven't watched a full season of that just because it's it just feel. I mean, I can't even watch um, House of Cards anymore. It's like I just it's it's not fun these these bits of entertainment uh, anymore, uh, which is a bit of a bummer. Christian, what's your story of the week? Well, I don't know if you guys saw this tweet for the upcoming game, uh, Mario Odyssey, where it said, uh, eat a penis, Trump. But I thought that was a little <laughs> off base, and it had shirtless Mario, wow. and it was just a little. Um, <laughs> now wow. I'm laughing, actually picturing Nintendo tweeting, <laughs> eat a penis. <laughs> All the people who send us nice emails last week are like, you know what? I'm oh, reconsidering. Not anymore. <laughs> I don't support you anymore. If you put Mario's hat on said penis, you can control it. So, All right. Uh, <laughs> Save it for the stand-up act. <laughs> Which, that is my new album, by the way, is <laughs> Penis with the Mario Hat. You can look forward yeah. in 2018. Um, my story, at continuing the thread of last week's, and I'm excited to get Raj's take on all this stuff, too. It's the further... Uh, as we fall into the well of of loot boxes, and I spent time, I'll talk about it uh, later in the show, with Star Wars Battlefront 2, the beta. And as more people are spending time with it, you're getting the uh, impression that it has a serious loot crate pay-to-win problem where the way that the... It's, it's not even progression. I would hate to say progression. The way characters abilities and weapons change over the course of the game the only way you get them is from loot crates and you can get loot crates with in-game currency or real world currency they haven't released uh the price for like what you're buying yet and then in your loot crate you randomly receive an ability or weapon or scrap or uh cosmetic stuff like victory poses or taunts um and they haven't announced like what the 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 oh god what's the word probability of each type of thing is or anything like that and the way you get you gain in-game currency to get scrap to build your weapons in game it looks like it's going to take you a while to do it and so it's not as if you are if you play the game you are progressing your character it's to get better guns and to get the other abilities for example boba fett uh, when he is in the air on his jetpack and shooting rockets, there's a, a buff that he can have that reduces his damage. And at the first tier, I think it's like 10%, but the highest tier, he's 100% immune when he's up there floating, throwing, shooting his rockets. When you're in a TIE Fighter X-Wing, one of the buffs you get is just straight up 
your lasers are stronger. <laughs> it's like you have better lasers. It starts at 2% and I think goes up to 15% stronger. And the only way you get those is from loot crates. And it looks like, at least based on the beta, the way you really get those <laughs> is by spending money to buy loot crates. Just the progression is is but you can get slow. them without without money, right? You can't. It, yes, it, it it's random when you get them, and then to build them yourself using scrap, it looks like it's going to take hours. And from the very beginning of the game, if I spent whatever two hundred dollars, a thousand dollars on crate boxes, you have to assume that I'm going to get at least some very high level stuff that I'm just going to then dominate in the game. Mm-hmm. And so I'm curious. So you're saying it's pay to win. I'm saying it's pay to win and I'm saying we have a, a serious loot crate, loot crate problem that we this might be the most uh, the worst offender of so far in a season that seems to be full of offenders. Yeah, I mean, it, it seems like every week we talk about the next game that is incorporating loot crates, uh, loot boxes, uh, loot boots, and it is the new thing. It's the new thing. It's because it makes a lot of money uh, and, and these type of things uh if, if somebody's doing it everybody's gonna do it uh to play devil's advocate i'm trying to come up with a uh i mean th- basically if you play call of duty multiplayer right the guys that put more time in get the better stuff do better right so theoretically if you put more time in you're going to open more loot boxes and get better stuff now the objectionable bit is that you can skip all that time investment by just paying money. So it incentivizes the paying of the money in a $60 game. And I, I I don't, I can't think of any, but it's also randomized. Like, and I haven't said the probabilities for these things. So there's a chance that you could spend $200 and just get everybody's victory pose. And unless there's an underlying probability that says with X amount of things, you're going to get X amount of powers. But then if you have that, You've got a rigged gambling system that if you're spending money for things is even more problematic because you're like, what's happening? Like, what is it in Australia, Raj, where you have to say the probability for this stuff or is that is that? Somewhere uh, no, else? I don't think I, I've not seen uh, any laws or anything around that. But uh, it, it's really sad because Star Wars Battlefront 2 is, is one of the most fun experiences I've had this year in playing a, you know, sort of um, multiplayer title. That that new sequence where you're uh, actually in space and you're flying tie, uh, tie fighters, X wings, you're flying in and out of the the large, you know, space station stuff and and completing those objectives. That was one of the best experiences I had at Gamescom. Was just going through that same level over and over and over and over again. But we weren't exposed to any of the the loot crates or the reward systems or anything like. There were sort of perk upgrades as you went through and you switched fighters and things like that, but not not loot crates as such. It, this is just it's sad. Like I, I can kind of, to try and play devil's advocate again, I can imagine wanting to feel like I'm OP in Star Wars. Like when I am one of those hero characters and you already are a little bit like, you know, buffed uh, to then be even more powerful because you know really when you're Darth Vader or you're Yoda or you're one of these like crazy characters and you're walking around you feel like you should just be mowing everyone down and pushing them out of the way and there there isn't really a uh, um, 
you know, the sense that you are that powerful when you just get shot and you, you're dead in about three seconds. So, uh, perhaps that will uh, help with that problem, but it doesn't make it fair and, and it turns down to, you know, it turns into, uh, do I have more money than the person I'm playing against? Or did I have better luck opening crates than what they've had? Um, or have I put in 700 million times more hours than someone else that I'm playing against? So, and then still been lucky. That's I think is my biggest yeah. problem with this is that it's still tied. There's no progression, like you mentioned for Call of Duty, Jeff. Like you can play that for hours and hours, right? grind it out, and you you see your progression. And same with Destiny, right? Like you'll get uh, new gear that's a- around your current light level, and sometimes it pops higher. But you're always going to get something that is until you start to get close to the level cap, or I'm sorry, the power level cap. Then that kind of tapers off. But until you start hitting like 280, 285 in Destiny 2, you're getting things that are like better than what you have. Maybe only marginally, and it might be a playstyle you don't like. It might be a void weapon or a pulse rifle that you don't want, but you're getting things. In this, and Battlefront 2, it seems like it's just, it's luck of, you could play for 400 hours and have every emote or every victory pose, or you could play for two hours and I get the most OP Boba Fett, and then it's, you're running it. Uh, I'll talk about more about my interaction with it when I played it, but just that yeah. idea of no progression slash I can buy these things slash I don't know what I'm getting. It sucks because this game is going to sell because it is gorgeous. And like Raj mentioned, the moment to moment is outstanding when it's clicking. But I just want to raise it, a giant middle finger to this game, man. It is uh, remarkably tone deaf and it, it it's surprising to me. It's one thing for these free-to-play games to do it, and it's another thing for a full-priced game to do it with, uh, you know, cosmetic items. But the combination of it being a full-priced game and it being actual gameplay enhancement items that are in these loot boxes that they then charge extra for, I just I don't understand why why developers don't get that that's bad. And uh, it seems like all of the smart ones go no. We're making it – it's very important for us that it's only cosmetic items or it's only – it's very important for us that you give the, you get the game for free and the way we monetize it is you're, you're doing this. But yeah, I mean it, it, the the dark version of this, right? The dark – The dark side? View, yeah, the dark side, right? The, the Darth Vader sitting in the room choking people version of this is – you know, they are like, you know, we, we sell stuff to people in the game and then they get that stuff and we can only sell it to them once. And the guy's like, well, what if we only sell them a chance to get that stuff? <laughs> uh, then we can sell it to them a bunch of times before they even ever get it. Uh, and that just, it's just gross. Um, so yeah, as much as I want to try to find a devil's advocate for this, there just doesn't seem to be any defense of it. I, I can get behind a game that's free that charges you like something like Fortnite that seems to have found a sweet spot of giving you enough stuff for free and playing into it and also allowing you to purchase it if you want a shortcut. Or I can get behind the games like Overwatch and, and you know, that, that uh, charge you $60, but then all of the extra stuff that they sell you are A, earnable and B, just cosmetic. Both of those have their downsides as well, but at least I can kind of get that nobody's twisting your arm. There's no feeling of being underpowered or ill-prepared or, you know, behind in the race just because the other dude spent five bucks and you didn't. But this just seems like the perfect storm of bad ideas. I just don't understand why they let this happen. 
Yeah, and I think it's all I can think is that they're testing the waters with a huge IP. I feel like, and maybe I'm um, being dismissive of you know a quote unquote average gamer, but like this is one of the games that you you get for the holidays, and it's like got that big thing. And then I think you could just see kids racking up their parents' credit cards <laughs> buying this stuff. Um, I, yeah, it it really it extra bothers me that it's tied to such a major IP and and franchise. Now in the in the chat, uh, Stephen A. Rivers is is contesting that cosmetics are gameplay enhancements. He says it does affect the user's enjoyment of said game, and I, I think that's a little bit of an extreme argument in this case because there's nothing. Yeah, sure. It's if you have you know the flower hat, it may make you feel happier uh, while you're playing your game, but. I think that's a perfectly legitimate thing to charge extra for. You want to have that kind of enjoyment that isn't about playing the game. It's about the little fun flower hat. I, I don't have a problem with a, a designer saying, okay, you can either earn it or pay for it. I, I I don't have the problem with that. But And I don't think that it is like, oh, that's a gameplay – affects gameplay just because it makes me feel happy to have the flower hat. I really do think that – I mean, may, I don't know. What do you guys think? What, what's your take on this? Um, you know, uh, cos- cosmetic changes, I think, or, you, or overall. Yeah, no, the cosmetic, the, the, your take on the idea that cosmetics uh, are. Look, unless the cosmetic is letting me hide or something like that, you know, I'm buying a camo suit that, that you know, in PUBG lets me hide better or it gives a, a visibility change. If I want to be bright purple and have a unicorn hat, th- then I don't really think that... You're probably <laughs> yeah. a replicant. <laughs> exactly. Uh, no, I don't think that really uh, makes a difference. And, and and that's just, you know, me choosing to change the appearance of my character. And, and if that, you know, if that gives you enjoyment out of the game and... and uh, that that's something you want, then that that's fine. You know, I, I don't think there's an issue with that. But when it decisively changes the the gameplay experience in terms of uh, someone being more powerful or having an ability that I don't have, and and the playing field doesn't remain le- even, then that that's very different. Um, and I don't think cosmetic changes really do uh, a lot in that regard, personally. Yeah, I agree. Christian, are you are you on that? Page? Yeah, I, I like cosmetic stuff, and I there definitely have been games where I don't play a character that I otherwise would that like suits my gameplay style because I don't like the way she or he looks, and it's just whatever reason. Like uh, in Overwatch, Roadhog, I think I I'd, I'd love Roadhog, uh, just aesthetically, and none of the skins. I don't like him. I don't like the character design, so I tend not to play that person. Um, so I understand that like there could be a skin that makes you compelled to play a character because we all have, you know, Jordan 10s or the best Jordans or whatever your thing is, right? Like I understand how it, it affects you, but I think it's it's a very different conversation than you get a better gun or you get a yeah. you get a faster ship. Yeah. Uh my story of the week is the big uh Microsoft VR event that they threw this week. Um uh, it's probably surprising nobody that I thought this was a big deal, but it is. Microsoft is launching a, an entirely new VR initiative built around Windows 10 and Windows Windows 10's mixed reality um functionality and they have partnered with a whole bunch of third-party hardware designers including Lenovo and Dell and Acer and HP. And Samsung, a lot of people were surprised that Samsung, this was the big 
the big reveal at the event was that Samsung is actually doing the highest end of these new headsets. It's called the Samsung Odyssey, and it will be coming out later than all the others. Uh, most of these <clears throat> new uh, mixed reality headsets are coming out on October 17th, but the Samsung Odyssey is coming out November 6th. It will be the most expensive of the bunch, but also clearly the the best of the bunch as far as technology. It has OLED screens and uh, a higher resolution. It's not hugely higher resolution, but it is nominally higher resolution. Uh, All of these are unique in the fact that they provide a room scale like uh, experience um, akin to what you find on the Vive, but they don't need those cameras like the Vive requires you to put up in your room. So they are completely inside out, which is a pretty awesome uh, improvement. I think not forcing people to put up cameras in their house in awkward places and uh, this looks – it looks really, really good. The the big – I mean they, they stepped through how the Windows operating system is going to work in mixed reality or in VR. Uh, and it looks pretty slick, although I'm not entirely convinced that this is super useful to a lot of people outside of entertainment. But the big reveal, the biggest the th- thing that would be interesting to us and our audience is the fact that there's going to be a halo for mixed reality. It's called Halo Recruit. It was announced at the event. Uh, no details on what it's going to be like. And from all accounts, it does sound like it's going to be a very brief experience, more of uh, a proof of concept that will show what a Halo could be like using this technology. I'm very curious how it's going to work. Uh, what do you guys make of all this, Raj? What, what do you, what's your takeaway? Uh, I think the, the best thing I like about Windows or Microsoft's mixed reality is the standard. It's it's a, a set of specifications that they hand off to OEM manufacturers, Dell, HP, Samsung now, like you said, and they create a headset around those specs and they're, they're kind of on a level playing field. You know what you're going to get. You get a, you, you get a headset, you can buy um, the trackers, the hand trackers um, separately, and I don't have to put up those light boxes. Uh, lighthouses, light boxes, whatever they are, cameras, anything peripherally. And and that, I think, is a huge step forward in the world of VR um, for for many people. Um, the, the fact that they keep pushing this mixed reality term, I think, confuses a lot of people because it, it definitely confused me. What is mixed reality? What, what How is that different to VR? Well, to be honest, it's not. It's the, the VR headsets it, and... Um, Mixed reality is this weird sort of Microsoft term that they're bantering around that, uh, you know, kind of confuses the wall. Like, uh, you know, you, you've got your desktop in, in your headset and you've got voice command and uh, you can sort of do things that aren't just playing a virtual reality game or, or having a virtual reality experience. So, that's where they're sort of like taking this leap. It's not augmented reality like the HoloLens, which they also do. So... I, th- I think the HoloLens is always going to stay as this more um, uh, productivity-based uh, piece of equipment, and then this these VR slash MR headsets are, are more going to be the software side of things, which which will incorporate games, which is why they're showing off this Halo. Well, going to show off this Halo title, so I, I think it's a great step forward. The tech isn't as good as a Vive or uh, an Oculus Rift. Um, but that's kind of to be expected for the price point that they're coming out at. Um, but I, I think 
the only thing that I thought when I was watching the the demo that they did the other day was with the new tracking facility, I guess I can't put my hands behind my back. I don't know if that's really something I need to worry about in a lot of lot of titles moving forward, but if the it has two sort of tracking lenses that sit inside the um the hood and they look for the the lights on the rings that go around my hand. So I, I assume that once I move them out of the, the the vision, the arc of those cameras, then it loses tracking of my hands. So there'll be no like, you know, super hot VR shooting from behind type of thing. Um which you know could or could be an issue for some people probably isn't for the majority but that that was where my mind went when I was watching the the demonstration it it the tech is a little bit mm, it 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 seems to work well but it it looked like it had a few bumps in the road so it'll be interesting to see how that plays out once it's actually in consumers hands and um and- yeah i'm definitely interested to get my face on this stuff because uh I haven't had a chance to try, especially the Samsung Odyssey, I think, which is the best in class here of, of these new MR headsets. And I think that, um, purely from a tech standpoint, it seems like it is, uh, head to head with, with Vive and Oculus. I mean, it has a wider field of view, which is, I'm very interested to see. It has 110 degrees, uh, of view rather than 90, which is what is standard with all of the, VR headsets that are out now. And I'm very curious to see how that feels, just that one aspect to have a little wider field of view. I think it would be a huge improvement. And then the increased resolution, it's slight, but they say it's noticeable, everybody that's tried this thing. So, you know, baby steps perhaps, uh, but I think these are interesting baby steps. Um, Christian, do you have any quick comments on this one? Well, I just think getting rid of the light boxes or the tracking centers is the hugest thing. And then I wonder, Raj, if like iteration 1.5 or 2.0 of these things put some form of tracker in like the back head strap or something like that to alleviate that problem i would imagine that the tech is probably there but i bet it's a cost thing and how often are you putting your hands behind your back i mean even playstation vr you can super hot vr and on playstation vr and it doesn't have a camera behind you it kind of just fakes it if you're going to do that and yeah it makes some assumptions about what's going on that i think usually are pretty accurate yeah I would say for PlayStation VR, they're usually not. <laughs> <laughs> well, it depends. Yeah, yeah. But it's a it's a wink good enough. It's like, it's what you paid for. Uh, <laughs> and I think this um, Microsoft mixed reality thing um, is kind of the same thing where it's like, yeah, 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 it's not perfect. But you don't have stanchions or uh, camera mounts or drilling holes into your wall or filling. I mean, every time I set up my oculus i feel like i need to remove the sensors a little bit because i bumped it at some point and it's not exactly right for my little space that i've shoehorned it in so it's getting closer to that like is it perfect behind your back no but are you just putting on a headset and playing yeah is that better is that a step in the right direction for me you betcha am i buying another one of these no will i go to jeff's house after he does (laughs) yep I definitely looked at uh, looked into the Samsung Odyssey. I'm like, I really don't need this, but man, I want to try it. <laughs> That's how I feel. So you definitely need it. <laughs> definitely need it. Bummed, bummed that they didn't make any announcements about Xbox One X, like working with any of these. Yeah. But you know. I, I think the fact you can literally buy one of these, come home, plug it in, plug in one cable, and you're done. Like that, that's huge, and and that's a massive uh, marketing thing for them that they really need to capitalize on because with with the setups that are involved in current VR solutions, even the, the PlayStation VR with the new iteration of of their headset, it's it's 
ridiculous. <laughs> like you have to, uh, you know, be a rocket scientist or or really good at putting IKEA furniture together to actually understand how to to plug in a headset and then get into the game and then set it up. Like so, if they can really uh, nail that one home, that you know, one cable, put it on, away you go. Like that. That's that's the uh, the big sell for them here. I think. Yeah. All right, let's move on now. Um, I do need to thank our sponsor, Blue Apron. Hopefully, you've heard me talk about Blue Ra- Apron. I genuinely love it. <laughs> I've, I begged them to sponsor us because I wanted to talk about them on the show uh, because they changed my life. Um, I use Blue Apron every week. It is a highlight of my week when the Blue Apron box arrives. Blue Apron is a meal delivery service. They, sell, they, they deliver to you uh, fresh ingredients and recipes that you then cook yourself And that helps you out in so many ways. It has made me into a person that appreciates cooking and preparing a meal for my wife and child. It is something that has actually given me a skill in my life. I actually feel like I can cook, which is an extraordinary thing. I've been buying loot boxes trying to learn how to cook and it's not helping. Well, you keep getting the thing you didn't want. You know, yeah. you get like, I, I hope there's a recipe in here. And I've then been you using Star shoes. Wars Battlefront boxes and it's not, it's not skill-based at all. No, not at all. But you got a better gun. Uh, anyway, um, I, ha- I, I genuinely love the fact that I have this this new skill. I can like chop things because I do it, I, and it's fun. And I eat better. I have a big, much more variety in my in my menu. Like I actually don't eat the same thing four times a week. We're eating such interesting, delicious meals. Uh, some of the stuff that we got recently was. Um, garlic butter shrimp and corn with green bead salad and roasted purple tomatoes, uh, skillet vegetable chili with cornmeal and cheddar drop biscuits, soy glazed pork and rice cakes with bok choy and marinated green beans. These are delicious meals. I've learned about new kinds of foods that I like. I, I I'm becoming a better person. Honestly, I genuinely believe that <laughs> Blue Apron has made me a better person. I'm more well-rounded. I eat better. I eat healthier. These are healthy meals for the most part. I mean, not for the most part. They are healthy meals, and and I know exactly what's going in them. I'm watching as the re- the ingredients go in, so I know how much salt, how much sugar. I can actually moderate that because I'm the one doing it. It's 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 so great. All of the seafood is sourced and. Uh, uh, with sustainability standards that were developed in partnership with uh, Monterey Bay Aquarium Seafood Watch. That's pretty awesome. I mean, this is a responsible company. I really can't say enough positive stuff about Blue Apron. It's affordable. comes out to about 10 bucks per person per meal. You get three meals a week or you can do two. They actually have a flex plan now where you can do fewer meals if you want. You can take meals away if, if you're you know going to be busy that week and you don't think you're going to have time to cook. It's so easy now. And the meals... I always have such a good time just picking out my meals because you get to select what you want on their website or their app. It's so great. And it's easy. The the recipes, if you've ever tried to cook something before, which I have, recipes often are not clear (laughs) or it'll just be a list of instructions and you don't know exactly when to plan things out and how to make, if you're making the side dish and the main thing at the same time, how to make sure they come out at the same time so everything's warm. Blue Apron lays it all out for you. It has pictures of every step. It tells you to do this while you're doing that, or now you take a break from that and go do this so that it all comes out at the right time. It's just so easy. And it's all going to be fresh. So check it out. 
we're going to give you three meals for free. So there's really no risk in trying it. I think it's going to change your life like it changed mine. If you go to blueapron.com slash DLC and use the, well, that's all you have to do actually. Blueapron.com slash DLC will get you three free meals with free shipping. There's literally no cost to you. You can try it out. You can see how much better you'll be eating with Blue Apron. Blueapron.com slash DLC. It's a better way to cook. One of these days I'm going to do like my tips. I never have time for that, but I'm going to do my like my tips for Blue Apron chefs because I have learned some stuff, you guys. Learned some stuff. Do they have uh, dietary stuff? Like if I go... Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're a vegetarian or... or, uh, Yeah, vegan and things like that. They don't totally. have vegan, they have vegetarian, they don't have um, gluten-free yet. Right, not, not, those, not those yet, but you can, you can hand-pick your meals, like I said. And you can, if there's a week where nothing fits your diet, you can just not even get that week and they don't charge you. There's, it's not like a, you're always getting charged. It's, you're only char- getting charged for the meals you buy. So it's, cool. I think this, it's flexible enough that I, it could work around most diet re- restrictions. Anyway, I haven't had problems and I don't eat beef so oh man so many games to play if this is insanity insanity the level of quality we're dealing with let's start with a game that christian and i haven't played at all but a lot of people are talking about so i'm really glad raj that you have played cuphead yeah tell me about it Ooh, cuphead that's uh that's a frustrating one, that one. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I haven't played it, honestly. I just don't need to put myself through that right now. Uh, I really love the visuals, obviously. That's it, It's so captivating, but it, I just can't put myself through it. It is one of the most beautiful, well-crafted visual experiences I've had playing a video game. It is exactly... It, it's, it, it's like everything from the 1930s, but sort of cleaned up but not cleaned up enough that it looks like it's not from the 1930s. The animation is so smooth. So uh, the art direction is just right on point. Like they, they have done an incredible, incredible job at, with this game from a visual standpoint. And the uh, audio-wise as well, the, uh, the soundtrack, um, I know a lot of people that are really uh, excited by that. They've uh, gone out and purchased it separately listening to like sort of ragtime jazz style esque music throughout the throughout the game um, and the sound effects uh, it, it it's really all on point they've they've absolutely nailed that 1930s aesthetic and they should be extremely and incredibly proud of themselves for what they've achieved in that regard uh, in, in the chat room just surprise uh, wants to know what weapon you like best Raj uh, at the moment I'm just using the uh, the the three sort of prong shooter uh, the majority of the time. So you sort of like, because you, when you shoot in the game, you have like a little, it's like a finger gun and um, you either shoot out uh, single bullets for a longer distance or um, bullets at uh, pellets at, at three different angles, sort of 45 degrees up, straight out, 45 degrees down. And then you can sort of power up. There's a store within the game. So you collect these coins, um, spreadshot, thank you in the chat. Um, a, so you can find these coins in different uh, levels and boss encounters along the way and then purchase new ones like there's a lobbing sort of uh, a single uh, shot that lobs up in an arc and then falls down and, and has an area of effect and, and other different attacks throughout the game. So 
it, it there is a variety in there and, and some work better in different levels than others. Where the game doesn't fall down but becomes very uh, difficult is is in its gameplay in the it the controls and the um, uh, the accuracy is is really good and it needs to be because this game is right down to the pixel when it comes to uh, kill boxes and um, uh, the movement style and ledges and things like that. It, you you feel it's like playing Super Meat Boy, but on a sort of a, a longer. Uh, experience the level stretching out and more of a platformer style there's actually three different types of levels you've got the platform where you're going from left to right there's sort of the, the single boss encounter uh, where the screen doesn't move in in a great uh, depth in either left or right and then you have these aerial sort of bullet hell type levels uh, where you're flying a plane and um, and shooting against enemies who are attacking you from the right so there's, there's sort of three different style of levels that um, you encounter when you're playing the game, but they are all extremely difficult, um, and they 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 don't change. So you sort of learn how the bosses move or the enemies attack, um, and you figure out a way to complete a level. In in one of the levels that I played a, a while ago at an event, um, it was sort of like a thirty minute hands on, and it, the level literally took two and a half minutes to complete. If I went from the start to the finish and uh, didn't die, then I would have finished the entire sort of demo experience in two and a half minutes. And that's probably about the third level you encounter in the game. Now, finishing it in that 30 minutes, uh, I, I think it took me 25 <laughs> and <laughs> for, for a two and a half minute sort of run. And when you die in this game, which happens <clears throat> a lot and you need to be prepared for it to happen a lot, um, you you sort of see uh, an animation of how far you've progressed within the level, and it has these like little little flag checkpoint markers that show, oh yeah, you've made it past this first section, and and you made it past the second section. You're sort of halfway through the third section, and um, that changes depending on where you die throughout the level. But when you die, you reset you back at the beginning. This is in a solo uh, play, so you sort of go through again, and you're like, oh, I'm just off this third marker and not, not that that means anything because it doesn't save you there you don't restart from there it's just uh and it gives you a better idea of how much further or how many more hit points i need to actually get through to the end or if i take a hit with it within the first you know 20 seconds i'm probably just going to restart the level because that's it's just not going to work i know i'm not going to get through um if if i don't start have four hit points by reaching a certain point so it is um it is frustrating in in that regard, and when I I, I was playing it uh, yesterday actually, and I I just had to put it down. I, it was like I played the same level for forty five minutes, and my thumbs were getting sore, and I was getting frustrated, and you start making more and more mistakes. And it's just one of those titles where you've got to sort of you know breathe and 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 be very zen with the world because uh, otherwise you're going to put a controller through the wall across the room. I, I did find that its controls aren't as on point as Ori and the Blind Forest. I thought that Ori is just a little bit more refined uh, in, in its control mechanisms and, and how accurate they are. And I think that Cuphead potentially could suffer slightly because of that. Um, sometimes I was 100% sure that I wasn't hitting anything or doing things. And, and I know that... Uh, 
when I jump, I would definitely land in a certain position. I feel like it's just a, l- a little bit floatier in Cuphead than compared to an Ori. But it, it's one of those, you have to go into it and knowing that you are going to die and become frustrated with this game. And if you watch streamers playing it, you'll see that everyone's in the same boat. It's uh, it's not uh, it's not something that you just need to try sucking at less. Uh, it, it actually, everyone sucks at it. So, um, right. don't be discouraged if, if you sort of open it up and, and you're having a difficult time with it because you're in the same boat as everyone else. And that's kind that's of- It's just not, not a thing that, sounds fun to me i i I understand challenge and i like challenge in games i don't want a game that i can just waltz through but i also don't want to it's not it's not easy (laughs) (laughs) one two three one two three (laughs) (laughs) i just feel like there's so much other stuff out there that brings me true joy right now and and there's volumes of of game to be waded through that is just so high quality that even with the the visuals that are so compelling i just i don't want to keep beating my head against the wall in a game like this it just doesn't sound it does have a difficulty setting and to be fair i haven't tried it on the easier one i should uh you set it to waltz (laughs) (laughs) i've heard you can't complete the game on easy like it I, i don't know how far you get but it's like only some of the game or something like that yeah, I, I'm not sure. I, I, don't, I don't know why. I just sort of mashed on X to keep going through and, and that's it defaults to normal. So, um, I, I've not tried it on the easier one. But I guess for the price point that they're offering it at, it's not, uh, you know, if I was paying $60 for this game and I was literally going over and over and over into a wall, um, I, I, I wouldn't be too excited by it. But at, at the cheaper standpoint, I don't think it's too too bad because you can jump in and enjoy that aesthetic, which is so rich and so beautiful, and immerse yourself in that world just walking around and interacting with the little characters on the the world map. Um, that that's quite fun and and something that they didn't originally have in the product when they first showed it off at E three many years ago. So I think they've recognised that they needed to add more and flesh out the world to engage people who are going to be frustrated by it and, and this kind of does alleviate that. But overall it's still this, you know, head bashing against a wall. And I saw this great meme the other day on Reddit for um for Cuphead where they were uh, saying uh, that you can't get a bad review if re- reviewers can't play the game. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. it's kind of kind of true. Uh, can't finish it. Can't review yeah. it. <laughs> Jokes on you. Yeah, um, I have friends that genuinely dig these kind of games. Like that, they love doing something over and over and over until they get it right. You know, they love the N pluses and the Super Meat Boys and the Trials HD and all all those games that are just about repetition until perfection. But none of that has ever appealed to me. I, I I like I don't mind having challenge. I don't mind doing something more than once. But I also love uh, I love not feeling like I'm wasting my time because at a certain point it just feels like okay. But to appeal to you, Jeff, like it's more of the Dark Souls ish uh, in in terms of like with Super Meat Boy or N Plus. Those those deaths that you have are so frequent and and so quick, and you reset and you do you know like a, a meat boy level, you know you might die a thousand times just because you, you just 
rapidly going through and, and hitting a blade constantly over and over and over again. This is sort of a little bit longer and there's a little bit of a, a you know, the levels are stretched out and the encounters are longer. So you, you do sort of get into this rhythm of, I know this enemy attacks this way. I know that I need to be here at this point. I know I need to dodge here. Um, yeah, it's Mega Man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So there is yeah. there is more to it than that. Just you know, here's I can visually see the whole level, and I'm just going to you know bash at it until I figure out a better way, and it doesn't matter if like because once I get to a certain point in this, like if I get two minutes into a level and then I die, you are resetting all the way back. Like there's there's more of a uh, consequence to to dying in this than than I, I see personally in in those um, those other titles. So. Yeah, and the things that mitigate the games that mitigate that for me are like Rogue Legacy or Dead Cells, games that add this persistence to death that say, okay, the time that you invested, even though it ended in failure, you you got something out of it. You actually got some some currency that you can spend on your character, or things get switched up, as in the case of Rogue Legacy, like you're gonna reincarnate as some new thing that has a new characteristic. Uh, that, those are the things that I sort of need in that case. But, but you know, I respect people who are into this. I totally do. I just am not that guy. I, I, I also haven't played this uh, multiplayer. So I'm not exactly sure what that experience is like because you can resurrect one another as you go through the game, as yeah, you play through the levels. So there is a whole mechanic there that may change um, the experience for a lot of people if you've got a buddy to play with. Um, and you know, you don't have that same sort of dying, uh, on repeat. Um, right. So that, that could, that could make it a lot more interesting, a lot more fun for a lot of people. Yeah. Uh, Christian, what is on your, you you were talking about Battlefront 2, right? On your playlist? Yeah, I have a couple of betas on my playlist. I dove in and played Star Wars Battlefront 2, the public beta. and on, so which, on which platform? I was playing on PS4, regular old PS4, and it is so pretty. It is unbelievably gorgeous. Like, it's only a little believable because we already had 2015's Battlefront, and, like, that was stunning, like Raj talked about that there's the the Starfighter assault where you are flying in and around these huge ships and going inside of them to either protect or shoot, you know, weak spots and shield generators and stuff like that and you're zipping in and out and it's I mean it, it, you walk by and it's you know someone mistakes it for a movie, you know, just just jaw dropping. I think like the Han Solo character model is like a very good looking video game character, but like the stormtrooper, the droid army from the prequels and stuff like that are just so freaking pretty. Um, absolutely stunning. The gameplay itself, and I, I think maybe it's because it's these huge, and the, the beta is just multiplayer stuff. None of the single player, the story campaign is included. I think it's maybe because it's these big battlefront battles and I've kind of kind of gotten used to Overwatch or now Destiny 2 as being my shooters of choice that I almost felt as disposable as I was as a droid or as a, a, a starship pilot where like I didn't feel there was necessarily any consequence to me dying or killing another character because it was 40 people were in this huge space battle and I'm out there zipping around and I killed I shoot down five ships, but then I get shot down, and I don't necessarily see how that swings the battle in our favor. 
per se, because it's like, I don't know, there's still 35 other ships, <laughs> you know, you know, out here shooting at the shield or doing whatever we're doing. Um, and again, this is the beta, so I'm not like with a strike, I'm not coordinating with teammates or I'm not in a party, I'm just kind of jumping in and playing. Um, so like, while it was beautiful and really cool, I think it, it feels similar to the 2015 Battlefront where... I don't know if it's going to be the game that hooks me. It's it's great because it's easily jump in and playable, but at the same time, I'm not feeling compelled to keep playing because part of it is that there's no progression. It's just you're unlocking loot boxes and then maybe I get something. And it's not if I play for two more hours or if I can, you know, win these next 10 battles, I will for sure see something that makes me better. Um, so that kind of made me not as incentivized to keep playing. And then the other thing that 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 pisses me off, uh, for lack of a, a, a more uh, succinct way to put it, um, when you die, it shows like the person who kills you, and then it shows like the buffs that they have to their character. So like I kept getting killed by these starfighters that had level two or level three blaster perks, and so Maybe you should have bought some loot boxes, bro. <laughs> well, I can't yet, uh, <laughs> but it's it's just like they they got a lucky scratcher, so they're and it's just I don't want to. It sucks. It, it really made me angry because, like, I don't have that. I've had the opportunities to have that. I didn't unlock it. I got a sweet victory pose for Boba Fett, but that doesn't but help. No me victories. <laughs> I have no victories because I'm getting shot down by ships that have. What good is this pose if I can't beat anybody? <laughs> right. I need a. I need a, a sad loser pose. Um, <laughs> that would be much more useful. <laughs> that was just my webcam tracking gotta, my face as I was playing. Loser pose. Um really frustrating um, they should it would be awesome if they actually sold loser poses and it's like han and carbonite uh it's luke going no <laughs> i'd take those over be better blasters uh just being sold and then the other mode i played is galactic assault which is what you've seen at the cons and e3 and stuff like that and it's um the, i played on naboo and also on i played um get a thing bring it back whatever they're calling that on um maz's castle map which is cool and, and gorgeous um but it was kind of canada you mean <laughs> i don't know is that is that uh yeah is maz canada is that canon it's with one n or two t's it's or what's K-A-N-A-T-A. the k-a-n-a-t-a ah, got it you know that that character is named canada right i did but i yeah, i had forgotten uh i remember i remember you seeing wow. your tweet about it as that you were in star wars or something come on man <laughs> um what was I saying? So, oh yeah, this kind of this. It's like it's fun. You're in there and you're blasting, shooting away. But I also felt like just a cog in the machine. And then I get killed by Darth Maul, who's a level three card buff. Darth Maul. So beautiful, easy to jump in and out of. But I think the lack of any real progression or leveling up tied to the pay to win loot box system, I think, makes this game a hard pass to buy. And I would. I would recommend Gamefly or, or Redboxing it to play the campaign and having a little fun with it. That's that's where I'm coming down just based off my couple hours with the beta. I definitely want to play that campaign. I'll tell you that. I'll tell you that. I'm going to play pretty. that campaign. It's yeah. very pretty. Um, I would want to tell you about a game that I was playing called a Road Redemption. Road Redemption is the Kickstartered spiritual successor to Road Rash which is a game that I played on the, wait for it, 
3DO. That's right, guys. Uh, I bought a 3DO in 1993 because I'm that guy. I'm like the one of four people that bought a 3DO. Wait, the guy that has three VR headsets also bought a 3DO? I never yeah. would have guessed. Who would have thunk it? <laughs> um, I loved that game when I was a kid. Oh, my God. It came with the Soundgarden soundtrack. It was so great, man. Uh, and so I, I, I bought this game. I was like, yeah, I'll spend 20 bucks on Road Redemption to have a little throwback Road Rash action. It's cool. I mean, it's very Road Rash. If you remember Road Rash, most people listening probably don't, which it's a motorcycle combat game. So it's basically a fighting game on, you know, going 90 miles an hour down the road. So you have to weave in and out of traffic weave next to other biker gangs that are next to you. And then you swing chains and clubs and machetes at them or try to kick them and knock them over or behead them or whatever you can do to uh, defeat them. There's all kinds of other objectives as well, but that's basically the game and it's fun. It's fun. Uh, that stuff is fun. I think this game's physics are a little imprecise and, uh reduce the amount of pure fun because it feels very floaty and weird. I'm sure the original road rash felt floaty and weird too. And I just don't remember it because I was a kid and I, everything was awesome. Um, but I wish this game felt a little more solid. The cool thing is that they do update the formula and add a lot of very modern video game stuff, which is role playing elements and some roguelike elements actually too. You're trying to see how long you can survive without dying and while you're doing that, you're accumulating currency and spending that on upgrades that persist through death. Kind of what we were just talking about with like, you know, Rogue Legacy and Dead Cells. That same philosophy is in place. And that's fun. It's like it, it gives you a reason to keep loading up a new game. And it, it, it feels very modern. It's a modern take on this old formula. Ultimately, I don't love the game. Uh, it, for 20 bucks, it's a fun, you know – 90 mile an hour rush down memory road, but it is not, I don't think it is a home run for me. There's fun to be had there. And I think it's a deep game that I didn't really get very deep into. So maybe stuff gets better as I get better motorcycles and cars and stuff, but uh, it's cool that it exists. It's called road redemption. I played it on steam. Raj. Yes. What else is on your, your, uh, uh I gave Fortnite battle Royale a go this week. Uh, nice. I, I thought I'd uh, try it out and see what it has. I am a, a PUBG fan, so very much enjoy. Had uh, you Fortnited, like base Fortnite, or is this I, your first no, foray into my, Fortnite? My first foray was straight into Battle Royale. I, I, I've heard the periphery on the on base Fortnite, and I thought, oh yeah, that's interesting. And when I remember seeing trailers years ago and and stuff, but it it didn't really capture me and uh i've been a little time poor with destiny 2 so uh i thought i'd i'd give it a go i jump into battle royale and um it's uh it's interesting i i it's it feels smaller than uh than a PUBG. the map the world i i, I don't know if there is uh they have specifically said that it is a smaller island that they throw you all on but you definitely encounter people a, a lot more it's very difficult to sort of drop into an area where you, you you jump out of a school bus that's got balloons on it over this island and uh and then glide down to a, anywhere i guarantee i'll see someone in the first uh, five minutes um if not multiple people within that time so it is it's a race to the ground 
there's loot everywhere. It's much easier to find weaponry and um, uh, you've got your giant pickaxe so you can sort of bash down any sort of structure or environmental to uh, sort of hoard materials that you could then build with, um, which doesn't really seem to be that popular to do. I, oh, really? I heard that, that like the last third of a of a – a Fortnite battle royale match is is when it gets really interesting because people start building structures. Perhaps I'm just not making it to the last third. <laughs> um, Fair enough. I, I have watched a few streams of it. As I, I was, yeah, I was watching some streams before I played, and uh, one one guy was all about the build. He he was huge on the build, and and the way that he was doing it, and the and the the um, how quickly he was doing it was super impressive. I, like, I don't know how he was manipulating it so fast being on a console. It's like, you have to be doing this on a keyboard, but he was uh, apparently playing on a Xbox One. So, um, th- I, I can see there being a reason for it, but I've also watched some games through to the end or even when I've played and died, you, it essentially just follows the, the character that killed you and, and a couple of those have gone through and won the entire match. So I've seen them go through the entire experience and, and not touch a construction piece once. Um, actually, so wait, sorry. When when you die, you don't jump out and do a new game? You, you have to watch or can no, you no, bounce? No, you can jump out straight away. No, no. I, oh, okay. I, I was I like, was whoa, just, that's a big... <laughs> yeah. No, no. I was just interested to see where it sort of went. Um, so... Yeah, and and actually mining the material makes a huge amount of noise. So a lot of people aren't um, doing that in the beginning because there are so many people around. It's very easy to pick up someone swinging the big pickaxe, you know, in this direction, and I need to run over there, and it's an easy kill. So um, it's much Interesting. it's much easier to a get uh, get uh, weaponry, and then. Um, Actually, shooting at people and killing people is is a lot easier as well. Um, I think I've got more kills in three or four games of Fortnite than I have in PUBG the entire time I've played it. Uh, yeah, I got five kills total in PUBG. I feel like a pro. I got my medal on the wall. I, <laughs> I know. I've got- it's really taken off, though, man. A lot of people are playing Fortnite Battle Royale. It's it's getting a huge amount of uh, oh yeah of play. I mean, I, I, I it's free. It's free exactly. And and I. Like I was back in every, you know, I played it for four or five hours over two days and just next game, next game, next game, next game. Um, but it's a, it's very different. It, it, uh, sorry, it's exactly the same, but very different. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, Did I mean different? No, I meant exactly yeah, the same. Yeah, no, it's, it is it is very, very similar. And I can see why PUBG sort of came out with those odd, or Blue Hole came out with those odd sort of uh, statements the other week. Um, right. But uh, it, it, it is different in that there is a lot more happening. There's a, there's a lot more people. Um, I don't know if I personally like it. Uh, it feels like it's 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 borderlining into like oh this is more of a a consolely fun experience rather than the realism esqueness of a PUBG um, or the tension. See, that's more more appealing to me. I'm like, yeah, give me some sillies, yeah. <laughs> give me some cartoony sillies. Yeah. I don't feel like I'm terrible. <laughs> yeah, I, I, the tension of PUBG, like I could play. Uh, that game for 20 minutes and not see a person until the very end type of thing. And and I think that right. constant being on edge and swishing around, looking for like the slightest of movements uh, is, is something that oddly appeals to me. Whereas uh, Fortnite, 
maybe I just need to play it more, but it, it's a, it's a, an affront or a rush of, of the senses because I like I feel like I'm running around a COD map at times because there's so many people in in the same area. Um, I, I did enjoy it though, like I and and it's free, so you know why wouldn't you jump in and enjoy it? Um, and I, I think it's it's got got legs and it'll it'll do well. What'll be interesting is once PUBG finally comes out on Xbox, uh, whether that will um, eat away at its popularity or yeah. or bolster it even because people are so used to Fortnite as a console experience that PUBG will be the foreign one. Um, yeah, I really didn't expect it to take off like it has, but I, I suspect that it's going to stick around because people are digging it. It's a clone. Um, <laughs> like, I don't, oh, oh, yeah? Yeah, it, it is, <laughs> but with a building mechanic. So that, that's the point of difference. I think the building mechanic could add some interesting stuff to it. I, I definitely want to check it out because I, I really liked Fortnite, the base game. Um, it just felt a little like there wasn't enough different stuff to do, and now they seem to be adding all this new different stuff to do. So that's cool. Uh, Christian, let's talk SNES Classic. Okay. Uh, we didn't get to talk about it last week because you hadn't uh, broken yours open. I am so grateful that a listener by the name of Justin sent one so that I could check it out. I'm so grateful to him. Thank you very much, Justin. Very awesome thing to do. So we have both checked out uh, the SNES Classic. Tell me what your your take on it is. Well, I want to thank not listener Amanda for letting me buy one. She's my That's wife. your wife, yo. That's my wife. Um, Why did she listen? Are you for real? Uh, she's too political. She doesn't like it. She's just like she doesn't like when we get political. She wants just video games. <laughs> I think I saw her uh, iTunes review. Well, yeah, she also sent you an email, so I don't know if you read it yet. Uh, <laughs> uh, I love it. I think the NES Classic was a fun trip down memory lane, and like I got it for my daughter. Big, oh, this will be fun, whatever. But like. There are there are good games on the NES Classic, like fine, whatever. But this NES Classic, this is legit an amazing console. And yes, of course, I wish Turtles in Time was on it. I wish NBA Jam was on it. I wish Act Razor. Right, we all have our wishes. But this is an incredible console with amazing games that could last you a year, if not longer. And they've all withstood the test of time. We're in the the 16-bit era now where the art direction like super mario world still looks good like it's mario world looks so good still yeah like some of them don't mario kart uh i I don't think it's meant to be played on a 50-inch screen i almost threw up like it's just (laughs) it was bonkers but like met super metroid is incredible uh mega man x like there's the tractors of the x franchise or whatever but it's stunning still uh zelda is just jaw-dropping still the the colors are so bright and vibrant like this thing it, it sucks saying this because it's hard to find but like it, it's a super easy recommend like i would almost pick this over 10 of the holiday games coming out because these are surefire hits that are still great today yes you're not wrong uh, I have some issues with it, but uh, you're not wrong. I mean, it is it, – it was actually overwhelming to me when I plugged it in because it's like, here's 20, 30-hour games. Yeah. They're, they're the best games of an entire generation. Which one do you want to start? And I was like, I can't deal with you right now. I can't. There's so much other stuff to – I can't start Legend of Zelda Link to the Past. Are you kidding me? I can't start Final Fantasy three. What? I can't start Earthbound. You've got to be joking. But you can. You can start them all and you can have save spots for all of them. You'd start them, Jeff. What are you doing? I must. I must. Um, I will tell you a couple of things. So I played um, Street Fighter 2 
Turbo, which Finally, was like one game you haven't played in years. Wonderful, wonderful experience. Like just so great. Um, and I played. I mean, the first thing I did when I plugged it in was turn on Super Mario World, which is in my top five games of all time. And you can joke <laughs> along Christian. with every other game. But <laughs> I literally on newest, latest, best a couple of weeks ago, I straight up laid out my top five games of all time, and we've been having this ongoing discussion. Listeners send in their top five games of all time. We've been having it. It's concrete. It's on record. Top five games of all time. Super Mario World is one of them. What's number one? Um, what? What's number one? What's number you Ultima can't spoil 7. his other content, right? <laughs> <laughs> Ultima 7. I've been, I, I, Ultima 7 is my favorite game of all time, and it will never be unseated. I didn't it, ask it for all ever. five, Christian. I just wanted one. <laughs> Ultima Jeff, 7. Jeff's top five games of all time. You won't believe the list. Click this other podcast <laughs> yeah. to blow your mind. That's right. <laughs> it's, been, it's been awesome because people have been sending in theirs, too, and so we get this cool discussion. Um, so listen to Newest Latest Best. It's on iTunes. Um but I, I legit – I talked about this on Newest Latest Best too. I plugged – I started playing Super Mario World and I am not exaggerating this. It sounds apocryphal. It sounds crazy. But this legitimately happened to me. I start playing that game and I can smell my old bedroom. Like I started to have sense memory. Gross. Of, I know. Everybody's going to be like, oh, your dirty underwear from when you were five. I could smell – the the house I grew up in and the bedroom that I played it in, I was like having sense memory flashbacks. It was the strangest thing. It like it kind of got me a little emotional because I was I was back in that place. I was playing Super Mario World and my body was like, oh, we remember this from a simpler time when everything was wonderful. Do your homework. You know, it was it was it was a mm, magical contra when the world made sense <laughs> it was a magical it was a magical experience and i i can't for that alone i have to be very grateful to justin for giving me that moment of just like oh i'm a little kid again but i will say that i do have some issues with it the bar it feels cheap it feels really cheap and flimsy like the whole thing you know really i think the way i I understand why they did it from the aesthetic, but like the fake controller port that you then flick open, like the NES Classic doesn't have that. It just has those kind of plugs. I think that feels cheap and flimsy, but I think the rest of the thing feels pretty awesome. Eh, okay. Okay. Fair enough. I mean, it's it's cute. It's adorable. I didn't realize, having never even seen in real life the NES Classic Edition, I didn't realize how tiny it is. It really is tiny. I mean, it really does fit in the palm of your hand. Uh, also, you even warned me about this before I opened it up. Um, the cords are way too short. I and mean, these are longer. These are an upgrade. <laughs> I know, but they're still way too short. Um, we I live in an era where we don't have to think about cords attached to controllers unless you're, you know, charging your PlayStation 4 controller. But uh, I was unable to sit on my couch <laughs> and play. I had to sit in front of my coffee table in order to play. Yeah, crisscross applesauce in front of the the coffee table playing Mario World the way it's meant to be, Jeff. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, it's 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 cool. It's cool to have all of that treasure trove of old games there. And like I said, it gave me this magical transcendent experience. But also, it's not a complete home run from a design perspective, in my opinion. Like, how much harder would it have been for them to just make wireless controllers? They could have. It wouldn't they have could. been that big. 8-Bito sells adapters and sells an excellent uh, right. Super NES clone so controller, yeah. Bundle that. 
bundle that and the i controllers wish, the controllers feel good i have to say that they feel great i wish that like holding down start and select like took you back to the min- like it's old school like to change games you got to yeah. go up to the console <laughs> yeah not a fan of that either by the way but yeah, yeah. do the controllers hurt your thumb after about you know six hours of playing a console oh yeah is it authentic Definitely. experience yeah <laughs> It is authentic. It, it will give you uh, pains. In fact, now you're way older, so it gives you m- more intense pains. Oh, yeah. I started playing Zelda, and my cousin called and said that his friend Jacob found a, a cheat that we can see Zelda's boobs if we use a warp <laughs> I whistle. I thought you were going to say, we found a, a Playboy in the woods, and we all had to come down there. <laughs> we did. And then but that, monsters came out from the upside down or whatever, and it was just... <laughs> uh, all right. Um, let's... Uh, Quickly, let's talk about the rest of the stuff on your on your playlist, guys. Uh, Thimbleweed Park. I've been waiting to play this on Switch. Are you playing it on Switch? I'm playing it. Uh, Rush? I've got it on both iOS and Switch, but uh, majority I'm playing it on iOS. I, I really love uh, the old style Lucasfilm uh, click adventures, uh, and uh, Ron Gilbert, who created uh, Secret of Monkey Island. Uh, Thimbleweed Park is his latest creation. Uh, it was kickstarted, I think, a couple of years ago. It came out on Mac and PC, but now it's been ported across to iOS and Switch. And I think those uh, touch screen sort of uh, consoles or um, phones, tablets, is the perfect delivery device for uh, click-and-point adventure games. I played through uh, Day of the Tentacle, Full Throttle, uh, Sam and & Max, and uh, and now new content like Thimbleweed Park. It's, it's really well done. It has character switching very similar to what you get in Grand Theft Auto V. Uh, you play a multitude of uh, characters ac- across the adventure and interact with one another. Um, very clever. Bit of old style humor in there as well. A lot of references back to uh, the Lucasfilm days. They call it mucus phlegm or something like that. Um, it- it's not going to appeal to everyone. I think uh, you kind of have to be, uh, enjoy the, the, that style. And whether it's uh, because you played it when you were younger or you just you're a younger person now who enjoys that, um, then you should definitely check it out. I'm I'm really loving it and I would recommend it to everyone. It's perfect for me going to and from work on a train, just uh, on my phone, tap through, play it for 10, 15 minutes. And one of the coolest features in it is uh, it has its own hint line. So you actually have a phone book. So people who backed the game, um, they had a choice of one of the reward tiers was recording a answering machine message. So you can go through and literally call like some of 3,000 people who live in this town called Thimbleweed Park and and get these uh, random voice messages from people who back the game pretending to be residents. It's it's really cool. Um, But then it also has legitimate function in the game where you call certain characters at certain times to to do things. So you you have this huge phone book where you're sort of going through trying to find people who are actually relevant to the story whilst also enjoying it as well. And it has a hint line. So if you get stuck, you call a a hint number through your phone and uh, in the game and, and you actually sort of go through some some voice prompts like back in the old Nintendo call line yeah. days and stuff and, and it actually helps you out. It's, it's very, very, very clever in the way it's been. Are you able to go back and forth between iOS and Switch? Does it share saves no, or is it uh, episodes that you go back and forth? No, it's, it's a single save system. So, yeah. 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 That's what I thought. Uh, Christian, uh, Gran Turismo Sport Beta? Yes, I have the, I play like a little over an hour on my Twitch, which is just Christian Spicer. It'll be on my YouTube, which is Christian Spicer 713 later today as well. Um, holy crap. Again, like Battlefront 2, just gorgeous. I'm playing it on a base PlayStation 4 
and especially some of the replays where I think it cuts it down to 30 frames per second and adds some blur and stuff like that. I had my wife watch, uh, I just pulled up a saved clip of a replay and I go watch this and we, we watch for about a minute and uh, she's like, and I go, yeah, this is a video game. She goes, what? I thought there was going to be like, some horrific crash. And like, that's where we're, like, it, it, it looks real. Like it's fool the eye, look real. Yes, if you look at the shrubs and the surrounding, you can obviously spot that it's not a real tree. But just if you're just kind of watching it, uh, like a, a replay or a GIF or something like that, just stunning. Um, Better than Forza? Forza 7, I haven't played. I've only seen uh, videos of. It also is stunning. Um I think I would give the nod to, especially like the replay nod to Gran Turismo Sport, wow. but I'll, I'll wait for Digital Foundry to tell me <laughs> what I'm supposed to think. Um, it's 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 truly stunning. Of course, Gran Turismo also isn't doing all of the weather effects. Um, at least in the beta, it's just sunny, you know, morning, afternoon, evening, sunset kind of thing. Um, but just just jaw dropping, and there aren't as many cars. Um, so I, I you can see kind of where they're limiting things. Also, uh, when you if like there's a a bunker on the side of the road or like a a little hill, a little roll on the side of the track, like you run into that, it, it's the same as you hitting a fence. Like it's just like bonk, and I'm like, oh okay, uh, Gran Turismo, I see what you're doing. <laughs> that's classic Gran Turismo, man. And right? that's the next point. This is. 100% Gran Turismo like the menu it's it's so clinical is what I kept saying during the stream it's like Forza even the mainline Forza series where you're racing on real world tracks and stuff like that it's still like flash sex awesome you're awesome yeah. explosion you, you right. leveled up and Gran Turismo is, is spreadsheet read yeah. this it's detailed <laughs> it's like elevator music like dun 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 and it's like you you're win. a fax yeah it's like you're you win. <laughs> and it, it's like a low res poly of like a disco ball and it's like gold medal who cares here's that spreadsheet you want to see um and then for what and i played a decent amount of was it six the last one that came out at the end of the playstation 3 um and it so maybe it's just been a while since I've Gran Turismo in any serious capacity, but like the sense of speed wasn't there. Granted, I was playing mostly as lower tier cars, um, but I still feel like going ninety around a corner in the streets of Tokyo should feel like blowing my hair back a little bit, and it just felt like again. Um, You've done that correctly. Yeah, yeah. So I think fans of the series, I think there's a lot to like here. I think it's a showpiece in terms of selling a system, and I think combating the Xbox One X. I think the game, you know, a a well-cut trailer of this running on a Pro in HDR, if you could watch it that way, is like, oh yeah, I'm I'm good. I already have this visually beautiful thing, but it's it's definitely Gran Turismo, and it's not going to convert anyone that is a Forza fan or vice versa, in my opinion. But oh man. Our, our car game's pretty these days, I think is the takeaway. Like, we're doing it. <laughs> so there's tons of games. You've heard us talk about so many games. How do we all play all these games? Well, one way to play more games and to save money is our second sponsor, which is Gamefly. Gamefly is a subscription service that lets you buy or rent all your favorite games and save money at the same time. All you got to do is go to Gamefly.com slash DLC2. You pick your favorite games and then they get mailed directly to your door. There's never any shipping costs and there's no late fees. So you keep these games as long as you want. You play them as long as you want. You send them back when you're done. They send you the next game on your list. And that way you can keep playing games 
forever. You don't have to buy a new game. But if you do want to buy a game, you just pay the difference in price at a reduced price and they let you keep it forever if you, if you so, so choose. They also have uh, movies now. So if you want to use Gamefly for movies, you can do that as well. And they have over 9,000 titles to choose from. So try games before you buy them or just, as Christian was suggesting, play through the campaign of something and send it back when you're dumb. Done. <laughs> when you're dumb. <laughs> send it back when you're done. You'll never have to worry uh, about late fees. You can cancel at any time. It's great. Plus, we're going to give you free 30 days of the premium membership, which means you get to keep two games or movies at a time. All you got to do is go to Gamefly.com slash DLC2. That's the two games. That's how you remember that two at the end. Gamefly is G-A-M-E-F-L-Y dot com slash DLC2. Sign up, play more games, and save money. All right, Christian wouldn't let me start the next segment without talking about Destiny 2. You did a raid! I did a raid. Anthony Taramina, our resident uh, Destiny expert, and put a killer fire team together. I think they raid every night, um, <laughs> every week. They are pros. And I went in having not watched any videos on the raid or anything, and I have it up on... Is it on my... It is. It's on my YouTube and on my Twitch. You can watch it. The whole raid, including him stopping between each chunk of it and explaining what's happening and what I will be doing during this part of it, took us a little... Like, just under two hours. I These guys, when they're running just them, it's like 45 minutes in and out. You barely needed to be there. Uh, so that's you what just, I was going to say. You were just there to slow them down. <laughs> uh, no, so this raid is different than some of the earlier raids. It's like components of other raids, but there are other raids you've seen where from Destiny One, where like someone can solo it. This raid you can't. Like you need people on pads to trigger things that you then shoot. Like I had to do stuff. I wasn't doing the hardest stuff, but it almost felt more stressful because it was like, oh man. I, I better all I need to do is shoot this button once. I better shoot this stupid button. <laughs> my 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 one year old will like stand next to the bed while we're making the bed, and I always go, "I'm helping," and, and I feel like that's what you were doing in this raid. No, pull I'm up the stream. Helping, dude. pull up the stream. I was I was helping. Uh, I had to do <laughs> stuff. To be fair, we did. Guys, guys, look at me. I'm helping. <laughs> we went through the underbelly instead of going back out to the main area between each section of the of the raid and in that you have to go in and like take out these century um like uh computers or you know unarmed guns or whatever and kind of hit them at the same time to progress to the next thing as you move through the underbelly and for that legit i would i would just hide behind pipes (laughs) so it's not to be spotted as four of them went in i'm not really helping (laughs) right now i help by staying out of the way but everything else Everything else when we were doing you're, the- you're the designated survivor. <laughs> yeah, I'll be key for any day of the week. Yeah. Um every every other chunk, I was doing stuff, I was holding my own, I was hitting my shots. Um nice. uh, so what what did you what do you think? Is it is this like a game changer doing a is it first raid in, in Destiny 2, right? Is it like a whole new world has opened up before you and uh, cats and dogs are living together? What's it what's it like? It was very fun playing it this way is, you know, like a step up from watching it on YouTube because I was doing it, but you know, two steps down from figuring it out. You know, like I can't like Giant Bomb did like going in cold. I think it took him 20 hours. Like that's the thing that I think changed for me playing this and having Anthony explain everything is the appreciation for these people that go in and figure this out. There's no guide. And like there are little tells. If you go into a room, it's like, oh, there's four, there's six chains. There's six of us. We got to, 
get those chains to move somehow. Like, what do we do? But the, while you're doing that, ads are filling the screen. You're not just in there by yourself, you right. know, like figure it out and then go execute. It's like, oh, by the way, you got to keep shooting these things and stay alive because if one person is dead and you don't respond to them in 30 seconds, you wipe. And you it's so it's that appreciation of figuring these things out and the complexity that goes into it. And this raid is very much like two people are in this part of the level and you can't help them. They're there by themselves and need to hold their own and you other four are over here and you got to stay on your pad and you got to take care of your own stuff. Like there's not enough room for someone else to come over and help you do what you do. You got to handle your stuff and like seeing all of that and all of the systems in place, the intricacies that Bungie designs into these raids and this one being so everybody has a role to play specific is, is really cool to kind of peel back that onion and, and play through it. Uh, it was it was awesome, and I can't thank Anthony and his fire squad and the fire team enough for for helping me get through it. It's re- I, Jeff. I think you'd love it if you. I don't. I said during the stream, I don't think you'll ever get your power level up to do it while before maybe another raid comes out and you can get a boost. But I really think you'd love it if you could ever find the time to get up to like two seventy five, two eighty, and, and run with Anthony or someone like that. Yeah. It's really fun. I have a vague desire to do that. I just uh, there's just so much other great stuff. Uh-huh to play and and it's only going to get worse dude like this week are you going to play shadow of war that comes out tomorrow i i have it coming from gamefly i'm getting less and less hyped on it based on its loot box problem and the review saying it the the beautiful shadow of war or shadow of mordor is in there but then they've added all this other crap <laughs> right so i'm getting less hyped for it but i will I'll, you know i'll put in a good five ten hours to make my own opinion so much good stuff dude and now i mean i wasn't even going to talk about this but you know how sort of tepid I am on the Assassin's Creed franchise. But now I'm hearing people talking about it. It's, it's the Witcher. They're like, Oh, Assassin's Creed origins is basically the Witcher. And like, okay, well now I want to play it that and discovery mode. I'm in, I'm into origins. Now I want to play that game. If it's the Witcher. Origins is getting positive hype and shadow of more shadow, whatever the heck the new one is. The Tolkien game shadow Shadow, Shadow of war is getting like, the more I hear about it, the less excited I am about it. But yes, uh, Assassin's Creed origin Sounds incredible, and I I played it at E three. It just seemed eh, but it sounds yeah, incredible. Assassin's Creed now. is always a franchise where I'm like, oh, that's an easy pass. I don't have to play it. This uh, that's at least one game. It's off my plate. I don't have to worry about. <laughs> it. I know it's not my jam, but now I'm like, oh, it's The Witcher. Oh, they made it The Witcher now. It's basically just a full on role playing game with open world and quests that you take in any order, and everything's awesome. And oh my gosh, there's loot and everything. Like, well, now I got to play that. I gotta play that. You're never gonna do a raid, okay? <laughs> I mean, probably. You, you should. You not. should. Like, I re- I would reiterate everything Christian said about raiding. It is uh, as as cliche it is as it is with these games. You know, the end game is where the game begins. Destiny raiding is so much fun, and when you've got a good group of people and you can really enjoy it. Uh, and, and go through that experience together. It's extremely satisfying. It's extremely fun, and it is something that you really need to experience to understand, and and will draw you back into doing it over and over again. Um, I haven't done the new one in Destiny Two, but in the original, I I've, I did most of them, um, and it it's it's a whole different level to the to the game that you you can't yeah. really experience or can't really appreciate unless you've experienced so yeah you you i do want to well i don't want to guys just the last thing i'll say about it just borrow is that (laughs) destiny one fans like the hardcore destiny one fans are maybe don't like it because of the way the progression has changed but in destiny two like you can just go in on tuesday or after the reset 
knock off a couple of milestones and then don't play again. Like, don't worry about getting into a hardcore grind. Just wait till next Tuesday and then knock off a couple of the weekly milestones. And that's like a really easy way to constantly level up. Uh, and you know it, you're going to get a reset every Tuesday. You can do a couple of strikes. You can do a couple of public events. You can go into Crucible, and you'll you'll make real gains in your power level quickly. And I think that's great for someone like me. There was a – I think it was Kotaku article where it's like, you can't be a dad and play Destiny. And it's like, you totally can. You just – you I just need someone to adopt your kid. No, you just <laughs> dive in, play smart. Like I looked at my I mean, hours. You're still play. technically the dad. They just <laughs> adopted them. <laughs> right. Uh, it's just if you're trying to get up to 305 as quickly as possible and you play 200 hours in a week, I could see how that grind would be slow and frustrating because it's hard to make real gains. But if you're just fine waiting till Tuesday, jumping in, knocking out your milestones, wait till Tuesday, jump in, knock them out. And also that stuff is fun. I think it's fun. Um, it's, you know, Destiny 2 is one of Jeff's five favorite games of all time. So, uh, <laughs> no, man, just listen to newest, latest, best. Oh. All right. I'm, by God, I'm going to have myself a tabletop time segment. So here we go. Doing it. Right now, right now. Let me just have two more minutes for Destiny, Christian says, ten minutes later. All right, here we go. Uh, tabletop Wait, time. I get, I get two more minutes for Destiny? Okay, no, Jeff. No, no. Stop it. Take a walk. You always take a walk. No. You actually have some tabletop time stuff to talk about this time. But I'm going to start because uh, one of the reasons I'm not playing Destiny is because I literally spent eight hours on Saturday playing one board game. What? And it, yeah, it was one of it's one of the most incredible experiences I've ever had on a table. Uh, you heard me talk about this. <laughs> you guys in your minds, stop thinking it like that. I thought cooking Blue Apron meals. Yeah, would be yes, a- that's what you were thinking. I'm sure that is one of the most experience. Yeah. Anyway, um, you heard me talk about the Seventh Continent. Okay, I talked about it after my wife and I played it, and basically. We didn't really get into it. Uh, it wasn't jiving for her. It, it, it was. It's you know it seemed very complex, and um, I just kind of laid it out, put it together, learned the rules, and conveyed that on the show. And I, but I didn't really dig into it. Well, I brought it over to some friends' house. Uh, three of us decided we were going to really do it, and we spent eight hours straight. I mean, we we ordered takeout food to be delivered. We didn't stop playing while we ate. It was like we were in it. So it was, we started at uh, 8 a.m. and went till 4 p.m. We didn't quite finish the first starter adventure. <laughs> Seventh Continent, I'm not going to get into the mechanics because I kind of did that already and it's really not the most interesting bit, although the mechanics are really clever. But I'm going to kind of try to give you an overview of what it's like to play this game because. It's extraordinary. You guys have heard me rant over and over about time stories and how fun that is as an adventure that you play. Basically, you play just one time because these adventures have puzzles that you solve and, you know, they're, they're one time play experiences, which is kind of a new, relatively new development in the board gaming world. This legacy concept of playing through something and it changes or or you're actually affecting something or doing something that has spoilers, you know, that actually reveals things. Seventh Continent takes that idea and just blows it up and just goes so much farther than anybody else. Basically, what you're doing in Seventh Continent is you are playing a giant 
open world adventure like you might find in a video game. And you and your friends, up to four people, are a group of intrepid explorers who have found this unexplored continent. And you're in the sort of the 19th century. It's very Cthulhu style. You know, you, you the characters you play are um, – <laughs> you can select your character. But you, one of them is, you know, Victor Frankenstein. And, uh, you know, they're characters from history. And you have a curse. So each game that you start, there's – I think in the box there's four or five curses. But the idea is you have to – Figure out the riddle of this curse to lift it to save your own lives because you've been cursed. And each curse that you play is basically a puzzle. It's a giant world-encompassing puzzle. And on the curse card, you see a clue. And that clue is your only guiding light in this giant, massive continent that you can explore. And it really is one big, huge continent full of different biomes and areas, but they're all connected and you could not possibly, there's no table large enough for you to build the entire continent of cards. It is a game that has, I don't know, 800 cards in it. And these are big tile shaped, they're square tile cards, not like playing cards. And they do a whole variety of things. But one of the things they do is create a map of this continent that's full of mysteries and puzzles and caves to explore and rivers to cross and trees to climb and just a myriad of things to do that are all crafted by the designers and and just full of things to unlock and things to find. But they are shrouded as you explore different areas, each connecting bit is shrouded in a fog of war like you might find in a Starcraft or something. And those fog of wars have encounters and things that happen on them that are random. So while you are exploring a set designed world with set designed features in it that you will all you will find and have solutions or mysteries that you will uncover – Along the way, you will also be encountering random events that make every play different from the next. So it's this wonderful combination of randomness and, you know, pure non-randomness that I think I, I, I've never seen a game really do like this before. And I'll give you some examples of things that happen to us. Now, now let, I want to be clear that you can go anywhere. You can do anything. There is a whole variety. There are dozens of different actions that you can take on a tile, but the tile itself will tell you what actions are available to you. And then you find items. Actually, you find the idea of items and then you're able to craft them or not. Uh, you can use them in different ways as well. But, um, and you, all of those things allow you to affect the environment in different ways or affect the success rate of attempting to perform an action. So, for example, uh, I was wandering around and I got my foot caught in a, a trap, a this mechanical trap. And on the card was a picture of a bunch of interlocking gears. And it said you have to figure out which direction you want to pull the trap in order to unlock your foot. And so you have to literally like map how the gears will turn on the card. So it's using the card as a little puzzle. And that's just one of hundreds of encounters. Another one was you find a map 
and then you find another map and you have to you know figure out what the differences are between the maps so you're like comparing these two cards like an old you know scholastic boy's life where you're trying to pick out the differences so they find all these wonderfully clever ways to add puzzles into you know what is ostensibly just a card also you know you'll you'll you know find a hole in the ground that you can stick your hand into or not you can, you'll find different creatures that you can fight or run away from you'll you can befriend think creatures and make them your your um your companions it is really a gigantic massive overwhelming adventure that takes hours and hours and hours there's a save system that the game employs so you can stop in the middle and re pick up your game at a later time I can't, I can't tell you how much fun we kept finding new th- – there are all these wonderful mysteries that you uncover and surprises around every corner. I had so much fun playing The Seventh Continent. Here's the thing. It, it's not available in stores. You can't buy it. Uh, it sounds like I'm doing a commercial now, and I swear to God I'm not. I, I have no interest in whether or not this game sells. I have no – there's nothing tying me to the game. But I will tell you, it is on Kickstarter now. They are only selling it via Kickstarter. There's only 10 days left. But I cannot recommend this game higher. It's not cheap. It's an expensive game. But you get so much in the box. There are so many adventures, so many surprises awaiting you. I All I've been doing since we played on Saturday is thinking about when we can play again. I want to try some of the other curses. We didn't quite finish uh, the first curse, but some just extraordinary things happened to us. Totally surprising moments. Uh, it, it is full of that kind of thing, of just good stories that you'll be telling amongst your friends after you've played it. So I can't recommend The Seventh Continent high enough, and the only way to get it is on Kickstarter. So that's one of the reasons I'm bringing it up. It's just an extraordinary board gaming experience. This, to me, Jeff, sounds like D&D without the DM. That's exactly their goal, yeah. right? That's They're trying to create a compelling experience like that where you don't need someone to make it up. They've done all the making up of it. Uh, and yeah, it's really an adventure in a box. That's exactly what they're trying to do. Cool. Uh, it's it, like uh, I, I, It sounds interesting, but I'm scared by the dauntingness of, like, of setting it up well, and I getting s- to know it. I will say, I mean, they, they have a video that they've produced that gives you an overview of how to play it, which is very, very helpful. I highly recommend people checking that out on YouTube when, if, if and when you buy the game. And there's a link to it on, you know, literally on the manual when you open the box. But like I said, my wife was a little overwhelmed by the variety of things. But it's actually, when you get right down to it, it's, it's really not very difficult a game to wrap your head around it. It seems daunting because there's so many different things you could do, but at any given time, there are only a few things that you can do. And so you don't have to like be constantly aware of the myriad options you have. You you only really have to look at the card that you're standing on and the cards around it to know what's available to you. And if you think about it in those terms, it really isn't as daunting as it may first seem. And once you get, if you, once you play it for a little while, it becomes really, really fun and you're and you're making really great decisions and you have this wonderful push your luck thing where your success rate on any given action is based on how many cards you take, but the cards that you take are your life essence. So you're trying not to take too many because you're getting yourself closer to potential death and it's it's got a wonderful push and pull that way and the, the things you find are always so exciting. It's so great, guys. It's so great. The Seventh Continent. 
Christian, I think you would genuinely love this game. It's so good. It sounds great. I'm just with Raj where it's just, it's weird because I've certainly sat down and, you know, I two over two hours of raiding in destiny then i continued to play after that so it's not as if i don't have the time but just hearing like eight hours and you didn't quite finish it i'm just like i don't know when i'm going to get that time because well, when i sit down to play not, destiny i'm not committing to eight hours i'm committing to 30 minutes <laughs> i don't want it to seem as if you have to sit down for eight hours i'm saying that we played for eight hours because we were having so much fun it literally has a save system so you could play for a half an hour and save the game and come back to it later it, it doesn't you don't it doesn't require that kind of commitment you can play it in any increment that you choose it's just what's in the box is like 20 30 40 hours of potential Got game it. Got it. Yeah. yeah. I'm interested, Jeff. What made it click this week that didn't click the week before? Well, I mean, I I think the the first week was learning, right? And and it was a it's a, an awkward learning process. Christian knows this. Uh, when I bust out a game and we start learning it, if I haven't already played it, there's a lot of like, okay. I want to do this. Okay, wait, let me look, look at the rules real quick and make sure we can do that. Or, oh, that doesn't really make sense. What does that symbol do? Let me check the rules. And, and it's very herky-jerky, right, when you're first learning a game sometimes. that And that can kind of feel like you're in molasses, you know, and, and it can be, it can be a turnoff for people. And I think it was a turnoff for my wife in this case. And she just felt like, Oh my God, this just feels like we're not doing anything. And we just keep checking the rules. And there's so many little fiddly things, but if it, if I had to do it over again and I know about the game now as much as I do, and I, which I didn't then I wouldn't have done it that way. I would have just jumped right into playing it and, and only described things as they came up because you, you only have to learn, like there's a way to combine items and, and add more stuff to your inventory. And there's a lot of stuff, which I outlined at the beginning of the game, which you don't even have to know when you start, like you're never going to run into that until you're a little farther down the line and you've already got some understanding under your belt. So there's a lot of that stuff where like these rules, you don't even have to don't clutter your brain with them yet, but I wasn't savvy enough at that time to understand that. Cool. Seventh continent guys. I mean, it is very special, very, very special. It, it's one of the best video, um, board games I have ever played. Wow. Straight up, straight up. It is top five. In, <laughs> Yeah, top five board games ever. <laughs> Certainly. I mean, it's one of the – it's – yeah. I mean, I think it, it's almost eclipsing time stories. It's It does everything time stories does but on a much grander scale and and that is really cool. Um, All right. But I want to talk also uh, – Christian, you said you've got some tabletop stuff to discuss. Yeah, a little thing here. Uh, it's from a, a listener – it's their project, and I, I don't mind talking about it because it's already it's met its goal on Kickstarter, and it's Coach Jay's Chess Academy, and they yeah. reached out. Uh, I, I believe I'm getting a, a free copy of it, even though I said, oh, my girls are only four and a half and two and a half. I don't know if they can figure it out, and they're like, we have videos of teaching three-year-olds, and I was like, okay, and it's getting the goal, you know, is getting kids into chess. and Love it. There's all of the, the data out there about how, you know, it's using a different part of a brain and how understanding chess is like understanding music it makes you a better student make better person blah 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 all this stuff and they have this innovative approach in terms of teaching chess to kids and getting kids to appreciate it and, and play the game and uh people seem to love it that have tried it and, and played it so i haven't yet but it's already hit its goal i think it closes on the 17th so i don't feel bad mentioning a kickstarter that's 
already met its goal. It's not, you guys need to do this or else, you know, whatever. It's, hey, check it out. You can still get in early if you want. And some of the Kickstarter reward backers um, appeal to you. Check it out and and play some chess. It's called Coach J's Chess Academy. I am awful at chess. I, I do not have the patience <laughs> to like set a trap. I'm like, go, 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 go. And then I, I always lose. But I have a, an appreciation for the game. My dad was a big chess guy and uh, I disappointed him by never catching on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very cool. Um, to prove that I didn't, the seven continent doesn't need me, by the way, they are already, uh, as of this moment, at uh, $3.5 million, almost $3.6 million uh, on Kickstarter of their $40,000. So we're both hawking products that clearly need your support to make happen. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's how many people are into this game. But that's because they're not going to sell it in stores. Anyway, um, Raj, did you want to talk board games? Yeah, so my office, there's a few guys that uh, are wanting to put together a board game night. Uh, I've personally bought time stories back off of your recommendation a while ago but haven't actually cracked it open and so i guess looking for things that aren't going to take eight hours to set up (laughs) uh and yeah any suggestions that you might have for not not a group of guys that have probably you know they played they've put the toe in the water and and things like uh, ticket to ride and stuff like that but maybe something with a little more depth that um that we can play on a you know Friday night after work for five or six hours. I mean, I, I always say that a Ticket to Ride is a great starter for any group of people—men, women, kids, adults. It's it's really the great go-to. But you said you've already you've already done that, so I think Lords of Waterdeep is a great suggestion. It's the it's the sort of starter um, worker placement game. Uh, has a lot of depth and a lot of fun, but very simple and easy to learn. And if it's a bunch of dudes that are sort of into fantasy stuff anyway, Lords of Waterdeep is set in the D&D universe. So that's kind of cool. Um, I, I think that's an easy game to love. If you're looking for more than, you know, four or five people, uh, if you're looking up to eight or more, you're, you're talking party games. Lots of great party games out there. Um, Formula D is a non-party game. It's a real strategy game. That is one I roll out for large groups of people. Christian has played with me. Um, it plays up to 10, and it's a roll-and-moves racing game. Everybody gets it because it's basically just race cars trying to race around a track, but it's really strategic and fun. Uh, I've never had anybody not love that game when we played it. Um, but, but party games like The Resistance uh, or Coup, which are like bluffing, lie to your friend games, those can be really, really fun. Um, there's, there's, so, there's so many great ones. A Sheriff of Nottingham is a great one for four people. If, if you are into lying to your friends, I like that game. Um, I mean, there's, there's a lot. There's a lot. But I think, I think uh, Lords of Waterdeep is a great one to go if you want to kind of get into more European-style strategy games. It's a great sort of half step in that direction because it's still very Western and easy to learn, but uh, has a lot of great strategy. Yeah, another one sounds like a, a good one, especially if it's easy to learn. I think uh, a group that's wanting to get into it but wanting to uh, get into it as quickly as possible, I guess, if that makes sense, uh, rather yeah. than sitting around getting drunk and then not being able to get into it. <laughs> so, right. Um, yeah, yeah that, that's that, a problem. That a good one. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. No problem. Uh, also, flick 'em up. I know uh, Christian played that. We we played that too. It's that's just a wacky, fun game where you're literally flicking discs uh, across the table. That's a fun game to have a few drinks and play as well. Uh, all right, that's going to do it for this episode. We do have bonus content. Like I said, I have an interview uh, with um, 
the head of Gunfire Games talking VR stuff, which is really – it's a really good interview, really interesting stuff talking about From Other Sons. And we also have our parting gift coming up, so stick around for that. But Roger Diute, thank you for being here, sir. I appreciate you waking up so early in Australia to be with us. No, thank you. The sun has risen in front of me. So it's been a, a glorious – I'm just getting the, the weather forecast notifications today, right now. As and you're – you're in tomorrow, as far as we're concerned. Yeah, it's so, Tuesday. Uh, it's the future. I can tell you. What do you want to know? The, the lotto numbers? I've got them right here. Oh, oh <laughs> just disappeared. Uh, no, thanks what so much. What do I get my loot boxes? What <laughs> do I get my Star Wars loot boxes? Uh, you just take a credit card and you call EA and... Uh... <laughs> uh, Raj, tell people where they can keep up with you and what's going on with you online. Yeah, you can check uh, out what I'm up to at reckoner.com.au. That's sort of slang for Australian and in how we say, what do you reckon? Uh, so... Uh, we've just relaunched a new site. Uh, we're giving away a bunch of cool prizes as a part of that. Uh, the f- uh, first one is a Nintendo Switch. So all you have to do is go over to a website, punch in a few details about what you like, what you don't like, if you listen to our podcast, and um, some information about that as well. And it's open to North America, UK, Australia, New Zealand. Um, there's some other cool prizes. Uh, Plantronics have given us a couple of headsets and Logitech have given us a mechanical keyboard to give away. So there's there's lots of cool things. And um, one of the coolest prizes is uh, a subscription to an email, a daily email newsletter called The Sizzle, which is sort of a, a tech news roundup of the daily news. If you're too busy to uh, look at... Um, through all the new streams, then just have it delivered to your email once a day, and uh, it's a it's a really nice product to have. So any, all three prize levels will, get, will be getting that. So check out the site, check out our podcast, uh, and that's where you find me across Facebook, Instagram. Uh, it's all Raj D E U T. Sounds cool, Christian. How about you? What do you got going on? Well, you can watch the the raid, the Leviathan raid. It is on my Twitch, which is Christian Spicer. It's also archived on my YouTube, which is Christian Spicer seven one three. And uh, I do a, a podcast about parenting called Department of Parenting with Chris Quintos, who people might remember as your wife in the marriages sketches we did too long ago now. Also, I should note she is getting into games, like her husband plays games, and I told her to start streaming because. Uh, Chris Quintos is playing Cuphead and apparently she goes it's pretty hard but it's fun right and I was like oh girl you got a huge twitch following in your future if <laughs> if you're diving into video gaming after not playing since Super Nintendo is Cuphead so uh, <laughs> uh, the aesthetic pulled her in but you can find the Department of Parenting at departmentofparenting.com and then I do another little geeky podcast called At Least 20 More Minutes you can find it at patreon.com slash Christian Spicer. I did a bonus episode after uh, I came out of Blade Runner 2049 with my spoiler-free review of that. So you can find that there. And then typically episodes drop on Tuesdays. Mr. Kanata, what about you? Well, I have another video game show for you. It's every day. It's a quick hit. Just 10 minutes every single day that'll keep you up to date on the news and what's going on and the games that you should be aware about. So check that out. Newest, latest, best. It's available anywhere you get this or anywhere you get podcasts, Google Play, iTunes, or you can find it on Anchor, anchor.fm slash NLB. I also do the Slash Filmcast, talking about movies and TV shows at slashfilmcast.com and a comedy science show called We Have Concerns. You can find that at wehaveconcerns.com. All right, guys, let's wrap this show up with our parting gift. Hey, give us a suggestion. Avoid- 
Raj, do you have a suggestion to help people get through their week? Yeah, sure. Mine's uh, mine's going to be a little bit sappy, a little bit uh, heartfelt, uh, and that is simply if you have people that are important to you in your life, tell them that they're important. Uh, I had a, a family member who was a part of the Las Vegas tragedy the other week, and uh, I guess they're safe and they're sound, and which is it was fantastic for them. But uh, you know, it's it's nice to let those people that are important to you know that they that you care for them. And if something like that happens and they weren't around anymore, then you know you can feel a little bit take some solace in that fact. So I guess. Uh, just tell your loved ones that you love them is uh, is my parting gift. Well, I love you guys, and I appreciate you being here. That's a beautiful sentiment. Thank you. Uh, Christian, how about you? You got a parting gift? I was going to talk about this sweet fart app that I downloaded <laughs> on my phone. Yeah, kind of changed the tone, though. Feels yeah. wrong. Uh, well, this is about family yeah. and loving people, kind of. The Gifted. It's Fox's new Marvel mutant family, and mm. I've only seen the pilot, and it is excellent. Um, I heard that. I heard it's real good. I'm excited to see where it goes. Uh, we have some named mutants in it, but not a lot. But there's rumors that there will be more. And if you haven't checked it out, I think it's on Hulu also. Uh, if you, that's the way you consume. And it's The Gifted. And so far, so good. Cool. We got a uh, listener who sent in a parting gift. This uh, was sent to dlcfeedback at gmail.com, where you can send your parting gifts if you want to get one on the show. Uh, this one comes from Aaron McConnell. He says, if like me, current events and the descent of our national discourse into nastiness, cruelty, and near insanity have you feeling down, I've got a book suggestion that for me has become my go-to literary comfort food. I'd like to suggest that DLC listeners should try out The Goblin Emperor by Catherine Addison, which is a pen name for Sarah Monette, published in 2014. The protagonist, Maya? 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 Maya, something like that, uh, is an exile from the imperial court who finds himself in charge of the empire that cast him out. While the backstabbing and cruel partisanship of the court itself strikes all too close to home, Maya struggles to do his best to make the world a better place through empathy, introspection, and building relationships. Through the course of the novel, I came to love him for his desire to always do better, even to those who had mistreated him badly. I have one caveat. There's a lot of world-specific vocabulary in the book, so if you're finding yourself lost, don't forget about the glossary at the end. I didn't even know about it on my first reading, and things do become clear through context if you don't want to use it. It's a truly inspiring book and one that I go to, and the rest of the world makes me feel like there's not a lot of good out there. For a podcast that ends like yours, I can't think of a book or main character that are better suited to be my parting gift. Thanks, Aaron. That's great. I appreciate it. I haven't read The Goblin Emperor, but it's going on my list now. Very excited. Uh, speaking of political discourse, uh, my parting gift is uh, the fact that I actually joined uh, Colin Moriarty, who you may know from uh, IGN's Beyond back in the day or kind of funny. He has started uh, political stuff and uh, he has very different opinions than I have, but uh, he was nice enough to agree to sort of debate me, talk talk to me about that stuff. And I joined his uh, show, um, which is called Fireside Chats. And we had a, a very spirited debate. I thought um, it went really well. A lot of people gave me a lot of uh, grief about even doing the show, but uh, I'm proud of it. And I wanted to bring it up. Hopefully, you guys give it a shot and listen to it. I think um, I think we had a good discussion. So I, I'm, I'm proud of how it came out. So you can check that out on iTunes as well. 
All right, guys, that's going to do it for this episode of DLC. Remember, we do have more content coming at you as bonus content. But we'll talk to you next week. I do want to thank all of the folks that uh, are in the chat room. You guys are awesome. Thank you very much for being here. I want to thank Raj Diut and Christian Spicer for hanging out with me this whole time. And I want to thank every one of you that downloads this show. It is very important to us uh, that we all are a community and we appreciate you guys being a part of it. Thank you so much. We'll see you next week. Until then, think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place. I am joined now by John Pearl, the design director from Gunfire Games, uh, who is responsible for some of, I think, the best VR experiences uh, available now. You can you can play Kronos, which was one of the very best Oculus launch titles, in my opinion. Uh, Dead and Buried, you guys partnered with Oculus Studios to make. And Herobound, which is, I think, one of the most underrated of the uh, VR experiences. It's basically Zelda in VR, which is incredible. And now... Uh, Gunfire Games is going to bring us From Other Suns, so I'm very excited to talk to you, John. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Um, so, first of all, I just kind of ran down your uh, your list of VR accomplishments, but you guys are also uh, going to be working on Darksiders 3, which is one of my favorite franchises, so I'm very excited about that. That No no VR component yet announced for that game, right? No. No, we haven't announced anything <laughs> in regards to that. Uh, but you have become very much a VR specialist. Uh, the studio has done, um, as I said, some of the some of the best titles on VR. What was the process of moving to From Other Suns? Um, what what brought you to that project? Well, well, thank you very much for the compliments. I always appreciate that. Um, but yeah, like uh, we we started out and we uh, pretty much out of the gate had a great relationship with uh, with Oculus, and as you mentioned, did Herobound. Uh, for the Gear VR originally, and then we did it for the um, Oculus Rift launch, as well as Kronos. Um, but yeah, from from Other Suns, it's kind of built on all of that. So we we were we were working with Oculus on uh, um, obviously Kronos when we finished that up, and we we moved on and worked on Dead and Buried um, for the Touch launch. And uh, at the time, actually before we launched Dead and Buried, we started on uh, kind of pitching them on some ideas of like, hey. Here's some ideas we have, like bigger games for for the Oculus Touch experience, and uh, it's kind of where from other suns came from, and um, it's just kind of a culmination of the things that we found that were really cool in VR. But again, like we want, we're not like a we're not a uh, focused on tech demo kind of studio. It's like we're obviously we're doing Darksiders three. A lot of us worked on Darksiders one and two, um, and it's it, very much we're like gamers who want to make really cool games, and VR is just another. Um, another way to do that. So we first and foremost for from other sons was we want to make a really cool third person or first person three player co op game um, in VR. Oh, it certainly seems that uh, it is inspired in some part by Star Trek, right? It feels like that experience. Uh, is that some of the inspiration for from other sons? Yeah, definitely. The uh, I mean we're. Yeah, like I said, we're gamers here. We're obviously, um, you know, a lot of us are sci-fi nerds. Um, so it's Star Trek, um, little Star Wars in there, Battlestar Galactica. A lot of those things come up in any discussion um, about From Other Suns. But I, I definitely think, like, 
the kind of or even like kind of firefly because you're supposed to be a little less organized than like the federation in star trek um right so it's definitely more like kind of that um the privateer um experience in space is kind of the the foundation of the feeling we wanted to capture yeah uh, and I should say that you just announced that there's a release date on Oculus for From Other Suns. It'll be coming out on uh, November 14th. Um, but luckily, there was an open beta this last weekend, and I was able to, to put some hours into it. So I, I can speak from, from experience um, how impressed I am with the game, even in a beta state. Um, Certainly, we have a, a really cool Star Trek game uh, on Oculus already, on, on VR already, with Bridge Crew. But that game always left me feeling like, man, I just wish I could like get up and go to the teleporter and, and be in some away <laughs> missions and stuff. And, and that's really a lot of what From Other Suns allows you to do. There's su- uh, such a freedom in From Other Suns uh, to, do a, to take on the challenges as, as you see fit, whether as from a sort of uh, more strategic perspective. Uh, you know, FTL style strategy game perspective, or just kind of getting down in it yourself and, and blasting away, uh, which I found very fun. Um, but a big part of the game too is randomization, right? And, and procedurally generated encounters and levels. Is that correct? Yes, <clears throat> very much so. Um, it, we were uh, from a uh, gameplay game design standpoint, we were definitely very influenced by um, uh, FTL um, in the idea that. Basically, you know, it's it's a it's a roguelike or light, depending on how you look at it. Um, since there's some progression that is kind of saved in the background, uh, we wanted to go that same kind of route of doing a roguelite, um, where like you can unlock things based on your experiences. But it's supposed to be a pretty challenging game. Um, we kind of took the difficulty down a little bit for the beta, just to make sure that people could get to see some of the cool stuff that's in there. Um, but yeah, it, it kind of ramps up. Uh, it's supposed to be pretty tough. Um, and, and you're, just, you're encouraged to like, oh, you know, my ship blew up. Well, I'll just start again. Um, it's not, it's not meant to be like this long, like 50 hour game. It's really like you're, you're kind of learning like how enemies react, picking up better guns, um, kind of, kind of finding your way through the universe and you're meant to start over with a, with a good amount of frequency. I was reading uh, the subreddit and some people were talking about how they, they flew west instead of east. You're, you're escaping the, Aliens by flying east in this game, and I'm, I'm embarrassed that it never even occurred to me to just try jumping <laughs> light speed to the to the left, you know, on this on the map. Um, and they said they encountered some really crazy purple aliens with purple guns and stuff. And I, I just think that's it's so cool that there's that level of discovery available even just in the beta. Yeah, it was it's it's pretty funny. Like uh, I, I I whenever I play, I usually go go right because you know I it, I know it's to the left, so it's it's usually inevitable death. So I try to avoid it. <laughs> um, but yeah, definitely, it's there's a lot to experience, and there's the, the randomization is a huge part of it. Because um, again, if if again we want people to play, you know, you know they they fail, they try again, they fail, they try again. They're, in the background, they're building up achievements uh, that will eventually unlock you know new guns, new ships. Um, but yeah, like people should be, are encouraged to experiment. Like, Hey, I don't know. Let's, let's go find out what's over there. And you know, you might get a cool gun from it or you might see something you hadn't seen before. Um, but yeah, it's supposed to be different every time. Um, you'll see something a little different, the behavior, what enemies you find. So yeah, it's, it's, we build it to be, to encourage like, you know, people can just kind of mess around and just have fun in there. And it's, it's not like, Oh no, we just ruined my 40 hour game. It's like, you're, you're probably only a couple hours in. If you, even if things go really bad, you can start over and get, pretty close to back where you were in not too much time. Yeah. Is the, is the beta pretty close to what the final game is going to be, or are there, uh, can we expect 
sort of big changes with any of the systems? Um, <clears throat> I mean, we we got a lot of awesome feedback, which is which is I think one of the things that's um, different so far in VR compared to like uh, just gaming at large. I think the people who like uh, like VR are very enthusiastic about the platform. Um, so we end up getting a lot of positive. Uh, feedback, a lot of good, you know, uh, productive and constructive feedback we can actually do stuff with. So we're definitely looking at um, a couple things that came up in the beta. The the biggest thing was a lot of bugs. I mean, that's that's inevitable because you're putting it out for a lot of people. Uh, it's going to expose stuff that you're not going to find even in rather large testing groups. Um, but the the biggest thing uh, that people were asking for was more options with uh, movement. So yeah, we're definitely looking into that. Uh, we've got a couple in progress now. Um, they're kind of re ramping up the the uh, the gun drops and how they work. Um, so like putting a more of a, a uh, obvious like the biggest thing people asked for was, hey, how can I tell this gun's better than the other um, quickly? Um, so we're adding like the loot quality kind of stuff. Colors will come into play. Um, just like a like a any kind of loot based shooter or uh, any kind of loot based game, you'll be able to quickly tell, um, and you'll see some more visual variety as well quicker. Um, so cool. those are some of the things that like definitely hit high on, on uh, like, oh yeah, we should definitely address this. Love it. Um, uh, I think you guys are doing some interesting stuff with the guns as far as how uh, reloading works and how uh, you, you find these charge stations, even in alien ships, and you can sort of place your gun there and recharge it, but uh, it, it kind of provides an interesting decision-making process of do I charge ahead and leave the safety of my gun charging station <laughs> or... Uh, how did you come to that very particular way of handling weapons? Um, so a lot of games, like, uh, will we'll often, like, for shooters, they'll they'll just kind of drop ammo on the ground. Um, the problem with that is, like, in VR, it's like then you're looking down a lot, and then you have the problem of, like, okay, well, I don't actually have... In our game, we don't have... You know, you look down, you don't have feet. So it's like, uh, how do I know I'm actually touching this to pick it up? Um, and just, like, reaching down for stuff isn't fun. Um, but we we definitely wanted the idea... I mean, the whole concept of the game um is this kind of like there is a struggle for resources um so we definitely wanted to like bring that find a way to bring that into even the guns like the moment to moment so like you're you should be scraping along like uh looking for fuel looking for money looking for ordnance like it's not like that plentiful um so we wanted the gun the the gun gameplay to be very similar of like okay well i'm not gonna be crazy and just unload this entire clip in this room because it's funny it's like i i could turn this corner there could be a big you know, brute robot in here. So I better be able to conserve this because there's not a lot of ways to get, you know, my charge back. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I think it works really well and I was impressed with it. Never really seen anything quite like that before. Um, The one thing I'm hoping evolves as the game uh, goes into release and beyond is uh, I'm, I, I like the idea of having to fix things or hack things, but I was hoping there were more sort of physical manipulation mini games that are involved in that. Uh, that side of of the game instead of just sort of pointing a repair gun and and blasting away. Yeah, I could definitely see that. We had we had tried some stuff early on, um, and it actually became very tedious. Like that was the biggest uh, concern for us was um, having these like mini games. Like, oh no, there's a hole. There's a hole in my hull. I better go do a mini game to repair it. And then right. with trying to manage that and the ship still shooting at you, it, it got to be like almost too much to manage and a little bit overwhelming. Um, so, I mean, it, there's definitely going to be some more stuff to interact with and look for in the world. Um, 
we're not going to talk about it specific yet, but uh, cool. but there's definitely some cool stuff for people to look for um, and like pick up and, and kind of interact with. Um, but yeah, really, the uh, we want like we want the the ship combat to be you know kind of it's either it's, it shouldn't be drawn out like oh I got to go do this, got to do this. It's more like okay, am I leveled up enough? Can I handle this? Okay, am I am I making the right choices with my weapons? And it's over. It, it shouldn't be this long drawn out like space battle. It's it's kind of like. It's not necessarily rock, paper, and scissors. It's, it's a little bit more complex than that, but it should be a, a kind of a quick experience. Like, oh, cool, I got these guys down, sweet. Or, you know, hey, I took out their, uh, I took out this system, and now I'm going to teleport over there and, and wreck shop over there and steal their stuff. Right. Um, so it's definitely like we found that that stuff was the fun stuff um, is, is getting over over to enemy ships and, uh, and you know, trying to take their stuff or just, like, blowing them up and, and taking the kind of the bare minimum uh, resources you can get from that. Right. Um, you mentioned as as part of the impetus for even even you know pitching this game was uh, doing a multiplayer co-op uh, experience in VR, and you know as much as as co-op is fun in any way, you know VR or non-VR, uh, I think being in a virtual environment with friends has been a revelation. It's just it's so much fun. Can you talk about some of the design challenges and the you know what you've learned from creating a co-op multiplayer experience yeah definitely it's uh like for from other sons is definitely it's uh it's built from the ground up to be a co-op game but we also built it in with the idea in mind that hey you know what you can do it by yourself so it it does scale um along with uh you know the difficulty does scale based on the number of players um because we definitely wanted to know we wanted to make sure that you know oh my friends aren't on you can still have fun with the game um but uh, it's, it's, there's definitely a lot of challenges because there's a there's a level of trolling that happens even with friends. Um, right. Well, you guys have uh, you have friendly fire on at least in the beta it was on. It yep. was a little intense. Yeah, we're not turning that off either. <laughs> <laughs> Watch your shots. You know, yeah, <laughs> you got to communicate. Can't let can't let your buddies run out in front of you. Um, it, it's definitely uh, yeah, it's something that that we like. There was a higher level of trolling before. We definitely found that like tried to like tune it in to be like hey you can have some fun like there's always the question of um because the mission the missions actually aren't like steadfast like hey you go to a station and you can if you completely botch it you can keep going it's it's the idea is that like you know what you might not be able to you know finish every mission and uh part of that is like there's key cards there's um things you have to hack to get into areas um there's there's fail cases built in some, some of the missions as well um, and, and because of that, like we built that system so that, um, you know, so there is fail case. So you don't win it when you can't win them all kind of right. idea. But, um, along with that, like, you know, if, if you have a key card and you're with a guy who's kind of goofing around, he could throw that over, over a railing. Um, and then it's gone, <laughs> but you can still leave the station. You know, it's, it's not the end of the game. Um, so there's that funny thing. I'm like, oh, what are you doing? Why did you throw that over there? Um, but you know, it, it doesn't ruin the game, but it is kind of that, like, it, you know, it, it's, it's. I mean, I'm not going to say realistic, but it's, it, we try to make it like, hey, if you did this thing, there's consequences. So we, yeah. we try to find ways to make consequences that weren't like uh, such a detriment to the, the fun of the game. But it's like, oh, now we got to go to another station. Thanks a lot. <laughs> yeah, that's great. I love it. So I, I, I love the, the playground of mischief <laughs> that, is, yeah. that is encouraged. That's great. Um, you mentioned also uh, people clamoring for more movement options. And uh, one thing I'm very grateful for, even in the beta, was uh, having the smooth movement as, a, as an option, not being restricted to teleportation, because I'm somebody that has gotten my VR legs at this point. Are you noticing that as we've moved into, you know, year two and beyond of, of 
these headsets being out in the the public that people are more comfortable in VR and they're wanting more comfort options? Yeah, definitely. I find um like uh, myself like when we were working on Chronos, I couldn't I couldn't do the first person movement stuff at all. Um I think it was just like it it took a, like a a slow burn for me and it wasn't until maybe a month in of working on uh, from other sons and I was like Okay, I got I'm, I'm working on this game. I got to I got to get past this and I started um playing it more and more, kind of forcing myself to slowly. Um it didn't take long really. It was just a day I'm like, "Oh wow, I totally have my VR legs. I can just run around like whatever." Um yeah. so that was I think I mean, I was a really bad case too early on, so I think if anybody has VR problems, you can get through it. <laughs> That's good to know. Yeah, that's great. I mean, I think I, I always felt like I was really sensitive to that stuff, too. And now I'm I'm always turning smooth movement on whenever I can because it just feels so much cooler. And I, I don't have any problems anymore. So nice. I think it is. A, yeah, it is a progression, I guess. Um, you Clearly, Gunfire has, as you said, your foot in both worlds, uh, VR and non-VR development. What are some of the differences? You mentioned uh, a community that's a little more invested, a little more uh, – vocal and supportive are there others what what do you what's your perception of the state of the vr market it's uh i think it's still you know in its early stages it's kind of hard to tell because there is this the two basically the two um marketplaces there's oculus and then uh the steam stuff um they're starting i mean with every update it seems like they're making it more accessible in both directions. Um, I do think that that's, you know, that, that helps a lot, um, for people to be able to play, you know, the games that are out there. Um, and you know, if they have the headset, whichever one it is. Um, but I, d- I definitely think that like with Oculus is huge price drop, um, over the summer. Um, and even it's new resting price, which is still a price drop. Um, it's, it's still, it makes it a lot more manageable and it, I, I don't know, like, I don't know what people's budget is for gaming. So it's hard to say, like, it seems like it's much more accessible now, um, which is exciting. I think yeah. that uh, that brought in a lot of people, um, the price drop over the summer that might've been on the fence before. And I think Oculus has done an amazing job of like keeping, um, you know, titles coming. Like obviously we're in November, I think, uh, Arctica comes out yeah. in like a couple days. And, um, yeah, it's just, they've done a good job of like, trying to space it out in a way where it's like hey there's there's something new like you know what it might not be every week but it's almost every other week or every three weeks you're going to find this nice polished experience and i think that's i think that's really key because that's what people who play games are used to like at this point where we've gotten to on like consoles and pc games it's like these are really polished experiences it's like we're we're kind of moving out of the the tech demo tech demo era i think on vr and starting to actually find these experiences that are that are really compelling they're they're a lot longer than just like oh that was cute and you're done with it after 10 minutes um like i think those things were important like uh playroom i think is what the one that launched the oculus Mm -hmm. one where you can kind of do co-op with with a touch and throw stuff back and forth i mean that stuff was super important to kind of like you know prove the validity of like this is a cool experience and look at the things you can do but now it's like i feel like we're in the era now of like now now let's make some real 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 games with the touch kind of stuff so i think that's i think that's really encouraging for anybody who's been on the fence or you know just getting into it's like you know there's a there's a lot of cool stuff that can be done in vr and i think we're as developers are starting to figure that out um and, and you know what's cool what's not um and what you know what options are good for movement and trying to find ways to to um you know include the most people possible like we don't do teleport um like you mentioned we do uh we actually have, i don't know if you had a chance to mess with it we have comfort mode 
um, as we call it. Um, but that it's kind of like teleport, but you actually have to run your character from that location. So the camera stays stationary. Uh, you push forward and the character runs out in front of you. Um, and then as soon as you let go, the guy, the camera pops to your location and, and people, um, found that that was actually a, a really fun way to play too. That's really cool. I know I didn't try that. I just, I was just like, Oh, I got smooth movement. Yeah. Boom. I'm in. Yeah, definitely. Um, <laughs> But it's interesting, too, how, how all of these best practices that even a year ago everybody was like, okay, we figured it all out. It, it, it seems like it, it's still evolving and people are trying new things and figuring new stuff out. And, and just being in VR is still, you know, I felt like it was the Wild West when it first launched. And we're still a little bit the Wild West, you know, even though, as you said, we're getting these much more uh, mature, interesting titles uh, like Your Game, uh, Lone Echo, Skyworld's coming out to Arctica, all those really as you said fully matured titles but it's still a little bit the wild west right yeah no that's the other thing that's fun about it is there's a lot of room to experiment like uh you know there's things that are fun in vr that aren't fun in traditional games just because you're not right. doing the mo- movement so there's still a lot of room to be like oh well this is actually a really cool thing to do so yeah totally there's a, there's a lot of there's still that's a nice thing is people who'd want to get in as developers it's like there's still room it's like there's no like set standard it's not like here's the template you have to do this there's still a lot of a lot of things to figure out. Well, I'm very excited to play the full version of From Other Suns. It releases on November 14th, exclusive to Oculus for $39.99. Um, thank you for being with me. I appreciate it, John. Awesome. Well, thank you for having me. All right, take care. You too.